the galaxy is full of film, and this is the Galaxy of Film Podcast. Alright, and welcome back to the brand new episode of Galaxy of Film. I am your host, Max. This week, my co-host, Danilo, is not with us, um, simply because he just didn't watch the movies this week. <laughs> um, but I'm not alone, thankfully. Stepping up in Danilo's spot is former co-host, Dakari. How have you been, man? It's been a couple weeks. Yes, it's been a few weeks, and I've been doing um, a lot less stressed out than before, but... Mm-hmm. Honestly, glad that's all out the water. I got a lot of things that are uh, in plan or being planned, you know, for me and, you know, there's things going on on campus. So I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, I've been doing I've been doing pretty good. I've been doing pretty good. Thank you for asking. You know, I'm glad we're able to get you on this week. I know you're uh, you're passionate about the topic. We're covering all four Matrix films. Yes, I am. So glad we're able to get you on this week to discuss something you're really passionate about. Um, yes, reintroduced into the show it's been a hot minute i couldn't even tell you the last episode he's been on we got david from piecing it together how have you been man i'm great i'm uh, i feel like i'm still trying to catch up uh it's already february but i'm still in that december like oh i got all this shit to do but um yeah i'm i'm hanging in there though doing good i feel you man i feel you how was your uh, your holiday season great great yeah everything was wonderful just uh you know the whole family thing only one person got covid but uh overall we're good well it's not <laughs> it's not a bad record that's yeah, not bad right just one there you yeah go. just one <laughs> um also joining us this week it's only been two weeks i think we got brian from drink the movies how have you been yeah i've been uh doing good yeah i think i was on uh Two weeks ago yeah i think something i don't know uh, i was here a couple times and that was good but yeah doing good yeah getting ready oscar oscar picks come out uh, next week so you know just uh get gotta gotta get my head down and just start plowing through these movies here uh starting next week so that isn't it gosh man i tell you since we started the podcast because you know we started like the second or third week of 2020 like the last week excuse me of december mm-hmm. um Going like covering every movie, like every at least major release in the podcast has made 2021 breeze through. Like it, it's it's absolutely wild that here we are covering you know the Oscars for movies we just talked about on this podcast. Um, just wild, man. Jeez, man, this is what episode 58, I think, too. God, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then plus we had bonus content on the show as well, so it's really up there. I think like 70, 80 ish. Who knows at this point, man? But also, we've got one more guest star this week. We've got Alex from Drink in the Movies. How are you? Good, how are you, man? Excited to talk about some interesting Matrix films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ever since I've met you, this is, you know, I discussed this during our Licorice Pizza LFG when we had Jake from Mayhem Pictures in there with us. Um, you know, that was one movie you were, that, that was the new release you kept hounding me over ever since I met you. The one old release was the Matrix films. <laughs> so kind of funny we got both of those in the show and both you, or got you here for both those episodes as well. Glad it all worked out. Glad it all worked out. But, um, yeah, let's go ahead and just dive right in. We're doing this episode a bit different. Um, if you're here for our Ghostbusters 4 film episode, we... <clears throat> 
we did the uh, the movies first. Then, you know, we took our break, went into the news and whatnot. We're doing the same thing for The Matrix, just for the sake of time, um, so we can better track what's going on and whatnot. But let's start with the, the first film, The Matrix, from 99, Dakari. Um, do you want to go ahead and give us a little bit of a breakdown of this film? Yes. So, uh, of course, this, this this film came out in 1999. If you're big into movies, you know how big of a year 1999 was. Okay, but I'm not going to get into that. But this movie is basically about, it centers around the character Neo, who is this computer hacker. And all of a sudden, he gets uh, caught up in this... Uh, this war between man and tech man versus computer where these group this group of rebel fighters kind of hired him to fight the vast and powerful computers that now are trying to consume the earth now and not only trying to consume the earth but trying to create this new software or trying to advance this new software called the matrix so and they also believe that neo is the chosen one so you got a whole bunch of dynamics just coming together into one in this movie Very descriptive. <laughs> that's, that's the best I could give without revealing too much. Okay. Um, so who who had a chance to spite... Well, I say who. You know, we're all basically the same age, except you guys. David and Brian, did either of you see this in theaters when it came out? Because uh, I was negative two wow. months when this came out. <laughs> Called out. Called out right away. Oh, Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, David. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I would have been uh, 19... When when this came out, so yeah, I was I was the I was the perfect age to uh, go to the theater and lose my mind when this movie came out. Okay, dude, I'm nineteen. I'm nineteen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was it was an awesome experience, and I mean, it, you know, but before this, it was something like you know Terminator Two. Before that, you know Jurassic Park. I mean, you know, right. the, the, those were like the big ones. This was this was just as big at that age. Like this was such a huge deal when this movie came out, which is so weird because it, you know, it's got like a lot of B moviness to it. Like mm-hmm. it, it feels like something that would be a little bit more under underground, under the radar. But uh, it it just blew everybody away, though. Dang. Um, Brian, what about you? Did you see this in theaters at all? Yeah, so I did not see this in theaters. I would have been, um, I think the time of year it came out, I would have been like 17. Um, so I didn't see it in the theaters. I you know, saw it at home lots of times. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like what David was saying, like it was, it, it's like mind blowing to even think about like what the Matrix was, like revolutionary wise. Um, it was, it was a weird time in history. Like cell phones were a new thing and like people having internet at their house was a new thing and DVDs were a new thing. The Matrix yep. was the first DVD that I ever owned. Um, oh. so all that stuff was so all that stuff was new. You had like Y2K come in and then you had this this weird, like futuristic, um, but realistic uh, kind of dual uh, planes of existence going on. It, it it was surreal, but it it worked and yeah, I mean it was it was just massive. Uh, when it came out, like it's it's hard to describe like the impact that it had, um, you know, just on like cinema in general. But yeah, just in the in the general population, like the Matrix was was everywhere. And it came out just a couple months before Episode One, Star Wars. So it was just mm-hmm. like it was just like back to back, just getting blasted with uh, marketing and uh, just just craziness going on at the theater. So, dang. And then a couple months later, I come popping out. <laughs> yeah, and then and then and then Max was born, and it's been mostly. Downhill, downhill since then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, 
Hey, a lot of couches have homes now, thanks to me. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. Uh, but yeah, so I'm glad. I am glad that you're finally covering the Matrix because I'm also old enough to remember here on Galaxy of Film that you said you were never going to watch the Matrix. So yeah, I remember that too. That was so disappointing. <laughs> Wow, that leads to what I was about to say next, actually. This is my first time watching The Matrix, um, any of them, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what a hell of an experience this has been. Um, Speaking for the franchise overall, you know, I did watch the first one, and then I waited a couple days, and I was able to binge two and three back-to-back, and then I waited, I think, a week to go see four in the theaters. Um, Dakari, what was the first time you watched The First Matrix? Okay, so honestly, I didn't really sit down and watch this the first Matrix all the way through until maybe like summer of two thousand summer of two thousand sixteen. Because my mother, she would always tell me like, "Yo, you have to watch the Matrix," and it would come on TV, and I would just fall asleep every time it came on. You know, so. Mm-hmm. I just when I had some extra change, I just went out one day to Target and I found the triple feature blu-ray of all three movies at the time all three it was like 10 bucks i'm just like okay this is a perfect opportunity for me to finally sit down and watch these movies right Mm -hmm. i only ended up watching the first one back to back for several reasons i didn't even touch the other two movies i only watched the first one back to back that (laughs) that's my experience of the movie i just glued to the tv for about like three nights straight okay okay so um then alex what about you when was the first time you watched this film um, well, like Dakari said, it's constantly coming on TV. Yeah. And the first time I saw it was like, uh, I think I was like seven or eight, and it was like on t- like TNT or FX one night. I recorded it, woke up in the morning before school, and watched the entire thing before I went to school. Mm-hmm. And I just remember that day, like I was just mind blown the entire day. I thought I was seeing code. I was tripping out the whole time because I'd never seen something like this. Mm-hmm. Like something that's different than that, and it just and then I didn't really get to see it for a little while because I never owned it, and then I bought the 4K trilogy mm-hmm. back like the year it came out, and I've just been watching it generally at least once or twice a month ever since. Jeez, man. Okay, for me it was a little bit odd as well. Like you know, I've I've heard a thousand things about the first Matrix before I sat in and watch it. You know, I've seen certain parts on TV which. Now watching the four films, I realize there was mainly parts of the second movie that I had seen. Um, but it, it surprised me how much lore is actually involved in the Matrix films. This is its own separate thing. Like this is its own. Fr- I, I, I underestimated the size of this franchise, the potential it has. Um, I'm surprised it didn't go further. I know there's a Matrix Online game, which is canon, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Never played that, obviously, either, or any of the console games. Um, gosh, the Animatrix. Cool. Say again? You also have the Animatrix as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forget about the Animatrix. I, I still have not watched that. What is the show? Really, uh, it's it's like, a movie. It's an anthology film of, like, six or seven different anime shorts. Oh, okay. Is that also yeah. canon? It is. Yes, yes yeah. it is. And it's yes, really it is. cool. Okay, well, I'll probably forget about it later. Is that referenced at all in the fourth film? Because I know the game is referenced. I haven't seen that, so I don't know. There were some subtle ones, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think it's very subtle. Like, little little background elements, but not, not like, 
big things where you had to have seen it or anything like that. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. That's interesting. Also, Max, you had no excuse not to go see The Matrix in theaters because it was playing at the Alamo for over a week. Come Man, on, it got pulled from the Alamo. I had to go to Durham to see this. No, and it I'm was talking one of the, the 99 worst, Matrix. One of the worst theater 90, experiences I've ever had. I'll talk about that in a little bit. It's weird. Nah, bro, the 99 Matrix. The oh, oh, I thought you meant Revolution, or, uh, Resurrections, excuse me. No, that one got pulled way too early. Yeah, it was, it was odd. It was odd. Very odd. But, Dakari, what are some of the things that you, you adore about this movie? You've spoken very highly about it since I've met you for two <coughs> excuse me, two years now. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I don't even know where to start. Honestly, it's, 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 it's so much. It is really so much to talk about. And so much to adore about this movie that I just don't know where to start. But I'm gonna start somewhere. Um, honestly, just like, like when you not even like, you don't even have to watch the movie, but when you see the poster and when you see advertisements for the movie, you just like, oh shit, what is this? And you're automatically just lured into it. You know what I'm saying? It kind of makes you want to watch it already. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got the marketing already. And then when you actually sit down and watch the movie, it's just like, what the fuck am I watching right now? <laughs> you know, like, like it's, it's, it's almost like that every time I watch this movie, you know, and like I said, there's just so much to talk about. There's so much to study. There's so much to um analyze is just a lot and mm. it's all for the better because not only is the test is it a testament to the style of filmmaking that was being distributed at the time but it's also a testament to you know how society was operating at the time it was just an advancement in that in regards to either storytelling or maybe even a little slight satire you know what i mean mm. and i wasn't born in 99 you know, I wasn't alive in 99, you know, but understanding the time that this was released, it, it it's easy to really kind of put two and two together mm-hmm. and really kind of see how this movie reflects society during this time period so well. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the big thing for me. I'd say it's honestly got even more relevant. Like, oh, yeah. Everyone's- Everyone's glued to their phones or some type of screen in the original one. Then you look at it nowadays, and it's like it's the exact same. That's all people doing. I agree on that. What are some of your thoughts, Brian? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, if if you go back to 1999, The Matrix was just cool, right? Like the soundtrack was cool. The way the characters looked was cool. Um, it was cool that they were using this new technology. So, I mean, it had had that going for it. Um, it was like creating all of these new ways to film movies, like the way that they looked, the way that action sequences could look. Um, and then it was like this this weird like amalgamation of genres. Um, you know, like you said, it's it's almost satirical. Um, it's and it's basically a kung fu film. It's just set, has this uh, sci-fi setting. Um, so yeah. it was it was just really unique and it just it hit at this perfect time uh in our <laughs> in our collective history and uh yeah i mean it's just brilliant what they what they put together and what about you david um i i just have to echo everything that they've been saying so far i mean there's so much that you could really you know pick out here um i i think the biggest thing I, although really i would also say the uh 
you know, kind of kind of the ideas, the big ideas, the big science fiction ideas that it that it poses are, are just really awesome and just interesting to chew on for years and years and years. But the biggest thing really is just how rare it is for something to come out and really push technology forward within mm-hmm. the world of movie making. And exactly. I mean, that that doesn't happen. And I mean, I'm not some old guy who, uh, you know, is like, oh, they don't make movies like they used to anymore or anything like that. Like there's plenty of amazing movies, but things don't push the entire industry forward the way this did. And mm-hmm. that's just an awesome thing to kind of like live through, I guess. Yeah, if if you look at like action films for the next decade, they all looked like The Matrix. Yeah, like, absolutely. It, it, set, it set the standard for what action movies should be. And look mm. at John Wick. Prime example. Oh yeah, yeah. I agree on that. Um, let's go ahead and talk characters for a minute, um, and, and cast as well, obviously. First of all, I want to go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, Lord's Fishburne and his role of Morpheus who is one of the most badass characters in film I've ever seen. Um, probably my favorite Lawrence Fishburne role, actually, that he's done. I fucking love this dude in this movie. Or this franchise, really. Well, I guess the, the trilogy will get to that as well. Um, I know, Dakar, we were just talking about some of his serious stuff with uh, Boys in the Hood a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and how much we appreciate his performance in that film. This one, you know, it's also serious because, you know, it's this whole movie is about the theme of choices. You know, we have the red pill and the blue pill. You know, you can either continue living the life you live or you can, you know, step forward and basically f- not fine, but like, you know, fight for freedom in a sense. Right. Um, and it's, it's really interesting how he's kind of like the perfect freedom fighter in a sense. Like he, he's the main one, at least in this first film. Um, what are some of your thoughts about this guy? Because I fucking love him, dude. What are some of your thoughts, Dakari? Uh, he's my favorite character in <coughs> all three movies. Mm-hmm. He's he whenever whenever I think of Matrix, I don't think of Neo. I think of Morpheus, character wise, because he's the guy that literally he's the guide to the entire Matrix. He's not only to Neo, but in the audience's perspective, we're, we're like Neo because we have no idea what the fuck is going on. So we have Morpheus telling us all these things about the Matrix and how it operates and how people operate and how the systems operate. You're just listening and you're just like, like, you see my face right now. That's, I can't, I can't really put it into words, you know what I mean? But. Honestly, he's my favorite character in the entire series for a reason. And it's because, like I said, he's he's basically the guide to the whole universe. And he's the key to the world building that these films provide. Mm-hmm. You know? so And he's just so cool and badass on top of that. You know what I'm saying? So he's, my, he's definitely my favorite character. What about you, David? Yeah, Morpheus is awesome. And, you know... Y- you could find another hero and try to overthrow the machines and all that, but you need Morpheus to guide everything that's happening. He's, he's definitely the most important character. And, and then on top of that, uh, the memes that have come over the years from Morpheus (laughs) are just next level. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brian, your thoughts on Morpheus? Yeah, no, uh, Morpheus is, is great. And Lawrence Fishburne is absolutely perfect as Morpheus. Um, and, 
and it's so interesting just in his his character arc that is that yeah he is kind of like like this shepherd for for the story and you know what's going on in the matrix but yet at the at the same time he has this steadfast belief that neo is this savior figure um and you know really he takes it upon himself as as his job to i guess to see him through that journey um instead of taking the journey himself um i think is just a really interesting take on that uh character story there mm-hmm. what about you alex I'm with Dakar. Morpheus is my favorite character. <clears throat> he is just... Like, when you think of the definition of cool in a movie, there are certain people that you think of immediately. And for me, Morpheus is one of the top ones. He's just... He's not only this cool character, but he's also skillful. Like, he, like he's a better fighter than Neo for almost the entire trilogy. Right. He takes on some of the toughest characters. He goes toe-to-toe with two agents and the Matrix Reloaded. And not only does he live to tell the tale, he also, you could argue, he he wins that fight. He's just, the fact that he's so well-written and he's not just this one-sided shepherd for Neo, he just he doesn't serve just Neo's purpose. He has his own motivations. He has his own story that he's going through. Hmm. So I, I just think it's not just the fact that he's a good fighter or anything. It's also the fact of, He's a very he's just a very well written character. And it at points seems like that he's the character that the Wachowskis cared about the most instead of Neo. So Speaking of, just, uh, of Neo I, Go ahead. I just love seeing him on screen. I agree. But speaking of Neo, um <coughs> excuse me, I'm still getting over that cold I had last week. Um Dakar, you bring up that Neo is he has this prophecy as to fulfill. He's the chosen one throughout this. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and what's very interesting is, you know, we give of course see him make these decisions, make these choices, whether he wants to get pulled in or out of the matrix. I'd argue that like Neo is one of the in a way the most one of the most grounded protagonists if as far as these like prophecy films go. As far as having a chosen one, like Harry Potter, Star Wars even um, Neo is one of the few protagonists, in my opinion, as far as like these big epi- epics go, where you really feel like you're going on the journey with him, because he, yep. he is, you know, you're he's making these choices, and at the same time, it feels like the viewers making the choices as well, especially with the red and blue pill scene. How do you feel about that, and uh, what are your overall thoughts on him? Oh yeah, of course, I love Neo. Um, I would say that a lot of people would love to complain that Keanu Reeves is his acting is kind of subpar, which I understand, but it's just like how else if you were in that situation, how would you react? You know, just think about it. Like it's almost as if he shows barely any emotion in the movie, but come on, like if you really put yourself in that situation, just think about how you would feel and what kind of reaction you would have, you know? And honestly, Neo as a main character, as a protagonist, I'm with you, Max. He's possibly one of the most grounded and one of the most well-realized. Um, like you said, we're on the journey with him. And when he makes these decisions um, near the end of the film, you're just like, okay, that makes sense. You know, do that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, you're just with him throughout the entire movie, and then you get... With like Neo, you get so used to the matrix, to the physics of the matrix, to the ways of 
operating in the matrix gets so used to that just like neo and when he makes those decisions near the final act you're just like okay that's the best possible way we could do this like come on let's roll you know so we're just rooting for him throughout the whole entire movie and specifically near the end when we reach his arc you know and that's possibly why i think you know his character is so special like everyone else but neo stands out to him I agree. I agree. What about you, Brian? How are you feeling about Neo and Keanu's performance? Yeah, uh, so Keanu's performance as Neo is is exceptional. Um, Neo is he's really kind of an ambiguous, like blank slate of a character, uh, right. which is why he's very like identifiable for the audience to go along on this ride with. Um, you know, because he doesn't know what's going on, you don't know what's going on, um, and you kind of learn these things together as the movie progresses. So that way, by the time you reach the end of the movie, when Neo can finally piece all of this together, um, it's at the same time that the audience is finally ready to piece this crazy uh, whirlwind of a story together, um, and you kind of go through this growth, you know, together. Like I said, he's just, he's very easy to project yourself as a viewer onto to go on this journey like if you like uh lawrence Fishburne, amazing as as morpheus but you can't identify with him because like he's you know he's way up here but we're still down here trying to figure out what the matrix is so <laughs> i agree on that um alex how about you i've kind of become disillusioned with this character with years I think that as I get older, I'm just more identifying with other characters in the movie rather than Neo himself. And I don't think that's an issue on Keanu. That's more of an issue with the fact that these characters and these performers are just better than what his role is. But at the same time, it's also great to see like what David said of the memes that have come. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can go about 30 minutes on the internet without seeing a woe meme. <laughs> but or an I know kung fu. Mm-hmm. Um, many of them projected by myself. Um, <laughs> but I don't know his care. It's a, still a great story to see, and he's definitely the most relatable. But he just when you have so many great performances and great roles alongside him, he kind of gets overshadowed. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, what about boy. you, David? Um, I I think the the main thing that I would say about Neo, I mean, he's great, and, and Keanu Reeves is great. I, we'll talk about the sequels more later on here, but I think without the sequels, just this as a self-contained movie, it would be, like, one of the best, like, action sci-fi movie protagonists, like, ever. Like, he's so great. <laughs> and then I just don't think they necessarily know what to do with him in 2 and 3, so... But we'll talk about that a little more later. Mm. But uh, he he's just a great protagonist, though, here, and Keanu Reeves is great. Okay. Alright. Um, Pin that thought for me, because I do want to hear how everyone feels about this movie individually and then as a franchise. I'm glad you brought sure. that up. Um, <coughs> gosh, excuse me, guys. Hugo Weaving as uh, Smith... You know, he's one of the main antagonists, arguably the main antagonist of the franchise. Um, how are we feeling about him in this one, Alex? Um, he's probably my favorite movie villain of all time. Oh, oh. He's all right. And I, when I saw this again on the big screen at the Alamo back in December, the scene where he and Neo first meet in that interrogation room, mm-hmm. and Neo just has this very antagonistic attitude and 
all the while Smith is just keeping calm. You can just see the evil behind his eyes, and you can't even see his eyes for most of the movie. You can just sense that this is a force of evil, much like the Terminator. Very but I felt, I felt a lot more menace from him. I felt a lot more threatened. There's a lot more stakes with his character because Neo is in the world that Smith can control. Mm-hmm. Terminator is the opposite. So Smith, at a moment's notice, could do anything and everything to Neo. And a lot of the film, he does. He plays with him like a puppet. Yeah. And it's just... And Hugo Weaving is just perfect in this role. My... Mm. He is so amazing. He chews up every scene. He walks in and he outshines everybody, and it's fantastic. He makes you also want to pull for him, too. Like, he's very... Especially in the sequels. Um, He just... I, you almost want to pull for him because he's very charismatic. Yeah. And he's great in sequels, especially. Oh, dude. House of the Thousand Smiths. That's all I'll say. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's just... it's He's probably my favorite movie villain of all time. He's fantastic. And I just... I can't keep enough praise on that character as a whole. Okay. You're probably going to hate me for this, Alex. Max, watch your words very carefully. I don't want to take your couch. Um, you you brought up another film in your discussion one I also have not seen The Terminator you're not missing out on much the first Terminator you're not missing out on much Terminator 2 is the one you gotta see yeah I've heard about T2 at least the first two you know what I have no, seen? Terminator 1 is just a low-budget version of Terminator 2, all right? Well, come on, man. You still gotta watch that, though. Come on, man. No, you don't. You can skip yes, past and just watch 2. Terminator no, 1 is required viewing, but T2 is the best action movie of all time, so... I've right. seen Correct. Salvation. <laughs> oh, God. Wait, which one is that wow. one? I, I, talk about wait, there's more than... Wait a minute, hold on. There's more than two Terminator movies? Yeah. I didn't know this. <laughs> He's right. I mean, I know you've got Jenny Smith and Dark Heart, but that's it. Yeah, but I've seen Salvation in theaters at that. (laughs) Waste of money. Waste Uh. of money. Yeah, sick one, Dad. Um, Brian, how are you feeling about Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith? Um, I feel that you not seeing Terminator 2 ever is terrible, but I feel (laughs) like Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith is amazing. I, I... I can't follow up, you know, Alex, anything that he didn't cover there. Um, he's just so good. He, it, it, perfect. Um, he's so deadpan through the whole thing. Like you said, he just, just menacing. Um, every time he's on screen, you are just wondering what he's going to cook up to, to do to Neo and Morpheus and crew. So, yeah, he's just unbelievable. Unbelievably good. Okay, okay. And, David, how do you feel about uh, Aiden Smith? And how do you feel about me not seeing any Terminators except for... Clearly the best one, Salvation. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I'm with you. You hush your mouth, Max. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's definitely up there. One, one of the all-time best movie villains. Uh, him and Robert Patrick in Terminator 2 uh, are <laughs> definitely top two, top three, something like that. But, uh, yeah, he, he's fantastic. I don't know what else I could say about him that they didn't already say, but he is just incredibly menacing and such a great performance. Okay, okay. Brian, I want to ask you one more question before moving to Dakari. Um, yes, you should see Terminator 2. Is that going to buy me again? I don't... And Terminator 3, why not? Mm. There are some good parts of 3. 
There are some good parts. There's some good parts, if you know what I'm talking about. Was there a boob there's scene or something? Get out of my head. Get out of my head. <laughs> yeah, there's a fucking boob scene, isn't there? <laughs> hey, we weren't specific. We're just saying, you know, there's some good assets in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I know Dakari is a huge fan of Titanic as well, for that fucking reason. I haven't seen it, dude. Wait, have you seen a few minutes of it, though? The minutes is where it counts. I haven't seen the movie at all. You haven't seen the boob scene? No. Hold on, we're going to take a quick 15-minute uh, break. Dakari's got to go do some research. We'll be right back. <laughs> you know, a little off-topic. My first time watching Titanic, I was in sixth grade. went to an anniversary screening in theaters to see it in 3D. I got in trouble because, you know, 11-year-old me decided to stand up and... <laughs> No. Wait, wait, what did you do? I'm, I'm not. I'm not. No, you did. What you do? Eleven-year-old Max, Max decided to stand up and honk towards the screen. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, enough of James Cameron movies. Um, Top five moments on this podcast ever. <laughs> Brian. You know what, Alex? Okay. Dude, we did some weird shit when we first started this podcast. We did some seriously weird shit. Dakari remembers it. We had the remember the whole for whatever reason. Jared Leto was mentioned about ten of our episodes back to back. I don't fucking know oh, why. God. Um, didn't we do? Didn't we do an episode like an entire like fifteen twenty minutes on who we thought had the biggest penis in Hollywood? Dakari, remember that? Yeah, and I was just listening. I was just sitting back. I was just like, these dudes cannot be serious right now. Okay, I don't know why it took that long to figure out that Ryan Johnson, Ryan Gosling, has the biggest penis in Hollywood. Oh, it's Willem Dafoe. Okay, it's got to be Willem Dafoe. Yeah. You know what? Actually, after seeing No Way Home, I can I can get on board with that. <laughs> Thank you for supporting me, David. You're getting some stickers, buddy. But uh, <laughs> Brian, how do you compare? Agent Smith, because you 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 enjoy him so much as a as a villain, you know, a movie villain specifically. How do you enjoy him, or how do you compare him to Vader? Make it hard for you. How do I compare him to Vader? Um, yeah, I mean, well, in in this movie, I I guess they are kind of comparable if you look at Vader from A New Hope to mm-hmm. Agent Smith um, as A New Hope, because they are just kind of, you know, all. <laughs> you know, full steam ahead, um, you know, just uh, just doing their job, just this overpowered, overshadowing menace that's just, you know, carrying out this out this task, like unbeatable control every mm-hmm. situation. So in that sense, they're they're very the same. And I guess if you <laughs> think of Darth Vader as Anakin Skywalker, you can see the conflict as you go through the, the rest of the Matrix films, which we'll get into a little bit Ooh. here. Right. Dang, you're right with that. Hmm, I know. Okay, but my counter, my counter to that, Brian. Which one of those two villains had a thousand of the same person fighting one guy? Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, it is. Dakari, how are you feeling about uh, Agent Smith? Yeah, I'm about on board um, with everyone else in here. I mean, Agent Smith, I think, is one of the coolest and most antagonistic villains of all time um he works on almost every level in this franchise um 
I, I don't think I would compare him to Darth Vader as much because honestly, even though they have similar, uh, you know, similar characteristics, Darth Vader is, I hold him in a high place for a reason, okay? But, um, yeah, just Agent Smith, every time he's just on screen, like, you feel this, this, this nonchalant yet evil presence, you mm-hmm. know, and it's very intimidating the whole time and he's just like what is he gonna do next throughout the entire movie because he's always controlling neo and always controlling neo and trinity and it's just like what else is he gonna do like is he gonna like you know like there's so many things you could do with the somebody like agent smith can do with the matrix right so he's just like how is he gonna creep this onto them like what is he gonna do next you know so if you got a villain like that then you got a great villain Honestly. Okay, okay. Um, the last character I want to talk about is Carrie Ann Moss's uh, Trinity, who we get an incredibly just a badass open scene of her in this half-abandoned half apartment, I think. I, I can't even tell what the fuck room it is. Um, God, great opening scene. Badass character. What do you think about her, Dakari? Honestly, bro, like, when I was... My mother first told me about these movies before I sat down and actually watched them. Mm-hmm. When they came on TV when I was younger, I fell asleep during the, those movies. But the one thing that stood out to me the most was Trinity. I bet it did. Was Trinity? I don't. I don't. I can't tell if it was because she was super attractive. I was about or to say you fell asleep because there's no boobs. That's or. or <laughs> Or the fact that she literally stole the entire first scene of the movie. Mm. Either or, she also works as not only a supporting character, but as a character in her own right. You know, like she can be viewed in the same vein as Neo almost. You know, they play off of each other so well, especially in the next two movies. You know what I'm saying? At Mm. least I think so. Don't look, hey, hey, don't look at me like that. At least I think so. At least I think so. Okay. You're out of your mind. You're out I, I of your mind. So. I think so. I think okay. so. I, I, that, I that's what I get. That's it. what I get. That's what I get. I, I think so. But okay, yeah, really... explain why you think that they play off each other well. Honestly, <laughs> because I felt like as you progress, not only from like this movie, but from the other two movies, they just really kind of... Uh... How do I explain this? Like... You know, because Trinity, when Trinity is getting introduced to Neo, you know, you see that she observes everything he does, right? And it's almost like she gets a quick flash of inspiration each time she watches what he does, you know? And she just adapts so well to his motives and his, you know, his ways of thinking. And that's another parallel as to why um, Morpheus feels so confident that he is the chosen one because he can give the people an outlet to express themselves, whether physically, emotionally, mentally. At -hmm. least that's how I view it, you know. And the way Neo and Trinity play off one another so well is a testament to that theory, at least for me. Okay. Alex, what do you got to say about that? I can I can see where Dakar is coming from, but to me, mm-hmm. after that opening scene, she just kind of blends into the background. Yeah. There's nothing 
I don't really find anything significant about her character besides Neo's love interest. That's it. That's what the whole relation, that's what the whole movie is building towards. And it's shown even more in the second one where, by the way, she has another amazing opening sequence in the mm. second one. Yep. But she just seems to get relegated and not, she's there purely for Neo. So you feel this way about her for the whole franchise? I do. Okay. I think that she's her any kind of character development that was coming in the first one is completely washed away by twenty minutes into the second one because all she does is just she's with Neo no matter what and that to me is it gets boring. Mm. Like if me, look just because she's not oh no, the car, the car, <laughs> I don't. I mean no. I understand what you're saying but I I don't completely agree but I which respect part? it. I respect it. I respect yours as well. I'm just curious which part you don't agree with. Oh, um, you saying how, um, damn, what did you say again? I'm so sorry. <laughs> She's basically there. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little tired today. I'm so sorry. But say it again. Um, She's basically just relegated to be there for Neo. Like, whatever he does, she supports no matter what. Like, it just, it gets boring. It's, there's really no character development with that at all. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't think it gets boring. That's where I disagree with. I don't think it gets boring. <laughs> like, by the third film, she's just doing whatever Neo asks, and I'm kind of like... This, like, I can see an overall arc of, like, she used to be really top, like, she was, like, by the books, you know, like, listening only to Morpheus, but then she goes to listen to Neo. But to me, it's like... I don't know. It seems like a really dependent character. Okay. Which, so... But, I mean, I think... I mean, I'm now. I'm gonna go rewatch it later, probably this week, and be thinking about what you said. I agree with you, though, Alex. As far as the sequels yeah. go, I think she is very dependent on Neo. Like, especially, and we'll, we'll get more into it later on with the fourth one. Like, I, you know, I don't, I don't care for turning the fourth one. Being honest, I disagree with that one completely because they, in the fourth one, they make Trinity her own character. They make I, it more I of her believe, own character I, than she was. You're right. I agree. <laughs> We'll, we'll get yeah, to it. We'll get to it. Yeah, I was gonna say like if you take Matrix one through three, which we've had for all these years and years mm. and years to live with, uh, her character doesn't get the development it needs. But if you take the full four film franchise, then Trinity is an awesome character. Here's, I agree. Here's the other issue with Trinity with her being so dependent on Neo. That puts even more pressure on the character of Neo to be even more interesting in the second and third one, of which he is not. Okay, okay. Well, David, how else do you feel about Trinity? I think she's great in the first one. Um, but, you know, I agree, I agree with what Alex is saying, though, that she doesn't really get the chance to evolve or get to, especially once we get into that second movie, you know, and I, I know we'll talk more about the franchise as a whole later. But um, in the first one, though, I do think she's awesome. And, I mean, even if she didn't do anything else, that opening scene is just so damn awesome that it's like, you know, she's still going to be a cool character no matter what. Right. Mm-hmm. Brian, what about you? Yeah, so uh, I she's amazing. I love Trinity. Um, and and the first film, I I would disagree with that. I think that she is very much her own character. She's stronger than Neo through the majority of the film. Um, and then as you get into the second and third Matrix film, she does start to take a back seat because I, her character at that point is more of a motivation for Neo to go on and. I'd do the things that he does to save Zion, all that stuff. Um, and then by the time he gets to the fourth film, uh, which we'll we'll get to too, but it, it kind of flips that 
on its head where she's really or um neo is really her motivation then at that point and it, it's completely a you know flip-flop from uh what we saw in the in the second and third so i think that you do get like this whole big uh huge arc but you're just speaking from uh the matrix i think perfect like i said and i don't think she takes a back seat to him at all so. okay i do like what you said about the fourth one with it being with them twisting the sh- like putting the script on the whole neo trinity dynamic especially towards the very end that, that was very smart on them i, I enjoyed very. that I think we can all agree that the first Matrix is fucking great. Absolutely. You know, it, yep. you know we, we've just been blowing this movie for 45 minutes approximately. Um, dude, does anyone have issues of this movie? Because personally, my only issue of this, um, and it stops us from being a perfect movie, just for me at least, is the romance between Trinity and Neo in the first film. I like it in the sequels. Specifically, like two and two, I, I'm okay with them as a couple. I like the the dynamic between them. It's very convenient in the first film. Is the best way to put it. And it just it feels just last minute. You know, it, it's a it's a last minute kiss, and then it also the flying as well. What, what are some of your issues of this at all, Dakar? Do you have any? Uh, well, well, I do somewhat agree with <laughs> you saying that the romance between Neo and Trinity is somewhat convenient for what this movie is supposed to set up. I don't think I have any other issues with this movie at all. <laughs> okay, Brian, you're shaking your head at me. What, what you got to say? No, that's ridiculous. Their romance is <laughs> completely justified. Get out of here. <laughs> do you it have is any issues at all you, with the first major? You, 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 you spend a, a few long years on the Nebuchadnezzar. And then you tell me, come on, come on. <laughs> it, they're not spending years though. They're spending maybe a few weeks on there. The film never, the matrix never really tells us the time frame of what all's going on there. It doesn't. The only time we hear about it is that Neo has been in the matrix for 10 hours learning Kung Fu. That, that, that's the only t- kind of time reference we get. Is that your issue with the film, Alex? <laughs> no, mine is very trivial and small, and it does not stop being a perfect movie. And that's that there's not enough Agent Smith. Okay, buddy. All right. That's <laughs> that's my legitimate issue with the movie is that no, 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 no. I'm being serious here. I'm not trying to be funny. I actually think that there's not enough of the villain in here. While what we get is definitely loved, and every scene with him automatically is elevated, especially the scenes between him and Morpheus. The more Smith that we get, the more that we start to feel his importance, feel his menace, and, act- and his actual threat towards the entire universe, Matrix, real world, and the Falcon. Okay. I think your issue is resolved in the next one. You get a lot more Smith. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. My issue, yes. that's why The Matrix 2 is a perfect movie. <coughs> it cannot be touched. We'll talk okay. about that in a minute. That was sarcasm, Dakari. I'm not actually... I don't mean that. Okay. Okay. Good. (laughs) David, do you have any complaints of this entry? I've got one big complaint with this movie, and that's that there were sequels. Um, What is wrong with you? (laughs) What is wrong with you? It's a perfect movie, and they ruined it with two and three. You're out of your mind. Okay. You're out of your mind. David, what what would you rate this film? Uh... It's a nine or a ten. Okay. Uh, yeah, or I forget what your rating system is on this show. I you, we you're gonna have Star to Wars remind Wars. me of this. Okay. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> okay. Can can I guide them through it, please? 
Go ahead, Dakari. Feel free. Okay, so the highest um, score you could give a movie uh, in regards to planets is Coruscant. So that's a five. And then number four, or if you give a movie four out of five, then that's a, uh, what is that? Oh, that's sick one, buddy. Right? It's a Bestman. Jesus no, Christ, best dude. That's Bestman. I'm so sorry. Clouds. Jesus. And then, if you give a movie a three out of five, that's Naboo. If you give the movie a two out of five, that's Hoth. If you give the movie a one out of five, that's Jakku. Oh. This is pretty close to Coruscant. <laughs> Who's giving me a Jakku? Just go ahead and say it. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, what do you rate this film? <laughs> uh, so, so, this film is in the hall of all-time great science fiction films um, mm-hmm. on Coruscant. It's in the library right there. Top 10. Top 10. Yeah. Top 10 it's films. in the library? Jocasta New is just guarding it? Yep. Okay. She's guarding it, keeping it keeping it dusted in case one day, you know, 40 years later, Max decides to finally watch it or whatever. It's, it's right next to a copy of Terminator 2 that maybe one day you'll watch. <laughs> oh, so. well, that's convenient. Sweet. <laughs> About as convenient as Trinity and Neo in love. All right, Alex, what do you got? What do you got to say? What's your final rating? Oh man, I think you can guess by how much I've gushed over this film. I watch it at least twice a month, sometimes more. I can't get enough of this movie and this franchise. It's it's a the easiest course on I've ever given. Okay, okay. Dakari? This movie is perfect. Uh, I well, I gotta admit, like. Over the years, I've grown to really like appreciate this movie highly because when I first saw it, I loved it. But, of course, I was very young, and I didn't really understand the parallels that it really kind of you know projected when it came to society, especially back then and now. So that kind of overshadowed everything for me. So it's obviously a Coruscant now. Okay. It's obviously a Coruscant. Easy Coruscant. For me, I'd, I'd give it a, a best fit on the way to course. Like I said, that, the romance thing just bugs me. And it's weird because I, I enjoy it a lot more in the sequel. Why do you hate love, Max? Why <laughs> do you hate love? Because he's, lonely, because he's lonely and he got kicked out for uh, honking Kate Winslet's boots. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's the kind of love story you want. So sorry you didn't get that, I guess. But, sorry, guys. I, mean, they put the Matrix of, I think they put the Matrix Reload in 3D, Max, if you want to go relive that experience. Really? <laughs> I think they actually did. Jeez. Wow. Speaking of, let's dive into the sequel. The Matrix Reloaded came out 2003. Dakari, give us your mini breakdown of the sequel. Okay, so I'm thinking this takes place about six months after the first movie. And mm. this is the film where they actually make it to Zion, which is where all of the Freedom Fighters are settled. Right, so we get a whole bunch of new characters, whole bunch of new areas to really kind of get used to. And while that's happening in the Matrix, you have over what was it like two hundred fifty thousand machine sentinels that are dig gonna like dig into the real world, which is Zion, within seventy two hours. So they spend this entire movie trying to really kind of figure out a plan or precursor plan to really kind of fight off these sentinels and make sure that they do not reach Zion. Mm. So that's the basis of the movie, pretty much. And so when did you watch this one? Because you said earlier you you bought the combo pack, the triple Blu-ray feature, um, and you put off watching the sequels. How long did it take you to actually watch them? A few years. Few years. Cause okay. I, yeah, because I honestly I watched the first movie so much 
I just didn't really care to watch the other <laughs> movies because I was so enraptured, so raptured into the first one. So it's just like, man, I was kind of scared. I was, I was like, in 2016, I was an eighth grader, and I was just so scared to touch those other two movies. Cause I was just like, man, I don't think they're gonna be as good, you know. So when Matrix Four was announced, which was one of my most anticipated films of 2021, I decided, you know what? Before this new movie comes out, I'm gonna finally sit down and watch Matrix Reloaded because I kept seeing scenes from this movie online mm-hmm. and on Instagram, like the fight with him and the dozen Neo and the dozen Smiths. And the car, the, the the chase sequence with Trinity on a motorcycle, like I kept seeing scenes of this movie, so I'm like, you know, let me sit down and watch it, and it was good. Okay. Good movie. David, what was your? Did you see this one in theaters as well? Opening night, absolutely. Good, good. Yep. Glad opening night. What was your reaction walking out of this thing? Do you remember? That movie sucked. <laughs> 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 I was so bummed. I, I just thought it was absolutely terrible. I, I didn't like anything about it. I just recently rewatched it, though, and uh, I, I was a little hard on it at the time, I think. There, there's mm. some stuff to like in it. Uh, you know, there's certainly some good action sequences. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought it was terrible at the time. Okay, so your feelings have changed slightly about it, at least. What Slight. are some of the things you enjoy about the sequel? Really, it's mainly some really fun action sequences. That that's the main thing that it, it continued from the from the original. Is it still found interesting and unique ways to put on some really inventive and fun action sequences? But the story just became a total mess. I I just did not care about where they took these characters and the way they kind of sidelined Trinity and and. Anything that was happening just didn't really seem to matter in any in any way. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you right now, the the thing that bothered me the most about this and still bothers me on rewatch is the score. Um, the the soundtrack in the first one is just this classic, straight up awesome techno soundtrack. It's fantastic, you know? yeah. It's so good. The second one, they like turned it into this weird like wonky like mission impossible bond type thing or it's like it's almost <laughs> like a saturday morning cartoon a little bit like, like every time something happened it's like bada, bada, you know it's just so corny <laughs> and i don't know what they were thinking but it's terrible i can agree with that man i uh, it, it took a minute because i had paused halfway through or something and um I think I called you to car if i'm not mistaken you mentioned something about the score then it stuck out for the remainder of the movie and it is like a sore thumb once right. you realize, especially when you, once you're listening for it. Gosh, right? Um, right. Yeah. Are there any scenes specifically that like stick out for you, David? That save this movie? Like, what are, what is the saving grace other than like just action scenes? Like, what specifically do you like about it? What scenes? I I mean the 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 highway scene okay. is the the big one. I mean that that's the standout. I mean, if nothing else, at least that's there. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Brian, did you see this in theaters as well? Um, so I didn't see... Uh, no, so I haven't seen any of these uh, four Matrix films in the theater, but I oh, sorry, did see it see close, close, to the, uh, close to the time um, that it would have come out. And yeah, I mean, it was it was a weird thing because, uh, you know, we talked about it for the first Matrix and how huge and how culturally like important it was and um, all that. So four years later, you have the sequel coming out to it. Um, and I don't people's expectations i guess were 
kind of all over the place. So when it came out, yeah, it was uh, it was super lukewarm. I mean, it still made a bunch of money. Um, it was way expensive to make, and hmm. we'll talk about this. But they filmed you know two and three together, so it's more yeah. or less one movie. They yeah. came out the same year, um, but. Yeah, I mean the reception for it was super lukewarm. Um, I I always liked it. I I didn't love it. I mean the first one is is a masterpiece. So I mean, how do you follow that up? You could retread the same story again, I guess, which is one way to go about it. Or you could try to expand on the lore, which is what I think they were uh, really trying to do. Um, and it's still, I mean, you have to you have, have to look at it through like the satirical lens because I think the one of the things that the Matrix does pretty well is uh sort of reflect back on society what's going on and the way movies were being made and stuff um like that in a satirical sense um yeah the the uh the highway the chase scene is unbelievable uh that's that's fantastic um i really like the way that the story goes where um smith can only kind of be released from the matrix um with you know, Neo. Neo's the one that has to do it for him, which I think is is super interesting. And then you get Smith as you're never a hundred percent sure on what to think about him if he's a villain or if he's just a victim of circumstance or uh, is he the hero of this? Maybe you don't you don't really you can never quite put your finger on it, which I think is uh, super interesting. I will say that you know these two films were put together. I think you probably could have trimmed them down into one longer movie instead of two movies uh, a lot of these sequences are really really long the uh the rave slash sex scene at the beginning being one that sticks out every time i'm like man this is still yeah. going on <laughs> it feels like a completely different movie <laughs> so um yeah i think i think some uh some better editing but but yeah i really like it i like that it you know explores more of the lore it goes into zion and it sets up kind of this you know overarching principle of the matrix is that these computers kept trying to give us paradise and we just kept wanting to go to war because we don't really want to live in paradise and i thought that that was interesting Mm -hmm. what about you alex how do you feel about the sequel i'm much more nicer than you guys apparently i had a freaking ball with the matrix reloaded there are scenes from that movie i can just turn on at any point and just love it. Everyone's talked about the highway scene, so I'm going to talk about two different scenes. Um, the first one is Neo's first fight with the agents at the very beginning. Right. Now I'll talk about the score, the I, the use of, of Furious Angels by Don Davis, the instrumental version that he used, was amazing, worked perfectly. If you look closely, you'll also see some camera movements that Zack Snyder would go on to use with like 300 and Watchmen. Right. Yeah. And it's just it looks it looks straight out of a comic book, and that just I, I love that. Mm. And the other scene is one I've already referenced: House of a Thousand Smiths. Um, Neo fighting uh, who knows how many Agent Smiths in that abandoned park. It may not have aged the best, but who cares? Because it's just fun, and there does come a point where fun outweighs quality in a movie. And this movie does that. And uh, just to touch on the highway scene again, Morpheus battling agents, two agents at the same time, fighting with those ghost twins, which albino twins with dreadlocks. It's Who a knew thing. that'd become an icon? Who That's... knew that would become such an iconic in- image in with movies? Mm. Oh. So it's just, and it also, it ends kind of on a downer as well. 
and I, I can appreciate that. It doesn't try to go for the Empire Strikes Back level of sadness and despair, but it does kind of leave things uncertain. And I, I appreciate that. So, I, I loved it. I still find so much enjoyment with it. But there, like David or Brian said, it is long. There are stuff that can be cut out. Yeah. It's like the, the, the rave sex scene stuff that if you cut that out, you're not going to lose anything. In fact, you're probably gaining something. Type of storytelling. And thankfully, they learned that for revolutions. Right. I'm on the same side as you, Alex. This is my favorite Matrix movie, actually. Whoa, I don't think it's the best. I don't think it's the best, but it's my favorite. This movie's fucking fun. Um, yes, it is. Yeah, the, the, the Neo fighting the t- the army of Smiths in the park is fucking fantastic. I thought Neo flying in the first film at the end was very corny, very just how to end on a high note, whatever. I think it's badass in this movie. You know, um, fucking we get Harold. I don't know how to say his last name, but Link. He's from Lost. He's Mike and Lost. Absolutely loved his character in Lost. So it was really cool to see him do something else because I don't think I've seen a movie with him in actually. Um, so it was really cool for me to go ahead and see him. I think the world building in this movie is great. Um, you know, I enjoyed my time with the first Matrix. I really enjoyed it. But as far as lore goes, I didn't give a shit. Like, it was contained to one movie. I'm serious, man. Like, some of this stuff was, like, one in here, out the other. I'm like, I'm just watching this movie finally. Okay, I don't need everything thrown at once. I'll pick this up during a rewatch, right? In The Matrix Reloaded, like, I'm seeing Zion whatnot. Where we're getting, I think, six months goes by. We're seeing um, the council, and they're discussing this whole thing going on. Um... Morpheus is fin- fantastic in this movie. Morpheus is an absolute badass going against the the albinos of dreadlocks, which is just the weirdest thing, but it works somehow. Yeah. Um, absolutely cool. love the Matrix Reloaded. This is my by far my favorite one. Um, Cash to card. Me... Go ahead, Alex. It also has some of the best lines. It does, mm-hmm. and a lot, a lot of them are de- delivered by the twins. Like the "We are getting aggravated." Mm-hmm. That's good. I, I, that lie just plays so funny, but also so serious at the same time. It works so well. Dakari, what are some of your uh, some positive things you have to say about Matrix Reloaded? Well, honestly, I mean, I generally I think this is a good movie. Do I think this is on par with the first movie? No, I do not. Okay. Um. It's like I like you guys were saying, like you and uh, I forgot your name, Alex. <laughs> yeah, man. Okay, you and like you and Alex were saying, this is a very fun movie. This is a very fun movie to watch. And when it when it comes to the fault of the film, it's just that there's even more world building this time. So mm-hmm. you kind of trying to latch on every th- little thing that somebody's trying to say, and it's just like, okay. You had me at the first one, but now y'all got me fucked up on this movie, too. Like, what the hell are y'all talking about? You know what I'm saying? So it gets a little bit convoluted in this movie, but it still comes together in the end, and you do kind of understand the basis of what's going on, even though everything is just being picked up little by little, and it's just like, what the fuck? Calm down. (laughs) Jesus. But at the end of the day, this is a fun movie. I love 
it, it has some of my favorite action sequences in the entire franchise. The House of a Thousand Smiths, uh, the Highway Chase, uh, was this one? Um, the fight where they were in the um, the, the house. Castle. Yeah, the oh, castle the with all the relics, and they use all the weapons yeah. on the walls. That is one of my, excuse me, that's one of my favorite action sequences of all time, in my opinion. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, speaking of action, Yun Woo Ping, he is the action choreographer for all these movies. Listen, Yun Woo Ping is possibly one of my favorite filmmakers of all time in terms of action. He's made Drunken Master, Iron Monkey, Snake and Eagle Shadow, three of my favorite kung fu movies of all time. So. That's all we need to know about Yun Wu Ping right there. But his absence is felt in the fourth one. Yeah, very much. But we'll get to that. But um, yes, we will. Yes, but as far as this movie goes, this is a gr- this is a good sequel. This is a great sequel um, in terms of being in terms of it being a follow up to the first movie. It works. It's just that there's a lot going on, and you just kind of get lost in the sauce a little bit. But you do understand the basis of what's happening, and it is an entertaining and a bit more sprawling this time around. Um, yeah, it's a good movie. That's the tagline. That's the new tagline for Matrix Reloaded. Get lost in the sauce. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what this movie is. Yeah. David, you've had some strong feelings about this. What are some things you don't like about the first sequel? I mean, I, I think that storytelling-wise is where this thing loses me. I mean, mm-hmm. the the who, the what, where, when, all of that. It, it's just all over the place and uh incredibly hard to follow but also kind of i don't care about so much of the stuff that's happening because i get lost so much Mm um you know some of the some of the action especially as we're jumping between the matrix and the real world i i just think it just gets so lost and so jumbled and just it starts starts kind of like losing the thread that the first one was building upon and i i think things come back around a little bit we'll talk in a little bit here about the next one i I think that they kind of bring it back together uh but i I think you know you guys mentioned about uh this being too long i think that that maybe could have helped if this was trimmed quite a bit and Mm -hmm. made into something a little bit uh you know just cleaner of of a movie with with more uh, straightforward themes and a, and a more, more of a story that can be followed easier. I agree on that. Um, it's also one of my big issues with three. You know, but as far as being trimmed down, hundred percent agree that this movie could have been like two and three could have been one movie. Period. Mm-hmm. Like it's there's a yeah. lot of fat on both of them. So I do agree with you on that completely. Yeah. About, mm-hmm. If I if I may, since I was a little hard on it, uh, mm-hmm. I, I I will say one positive. Um, you know, over on Piecing It Together, we talk about, you know, the influence that movies have mm-hmm. on other movies. And one thing I, I noticed while rewatching this for the first time since the theater, uh, is I was surprised just how much of this, you mentioned Zack Snyder earlier, so I think it was Alex mentioned it, mm-hmm. uh, but Zack Absolutely. Snyder, C- Christopher Nolan, um, so many of the filmmakers that would go on to make the biggest movies of the next decade or so after this, I feel like got a lot of influence specifically from reloaded i feel like there's so much here i'm so glad you mentioned christopher nolan because the one of the the highway scenes from tenet 
reminds mm-hmm. me so much of the highway chase in Reloaded. Yes, I was oh, thinking yeah. the same thing. I couldn't put my finger on it. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So glad you brought that up, actually. Yeah, so even if I didn't like it, some filmmakers loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it evens out, I guess. Right. Yeah. Excuse me while I hop off to go watch Tenet again real quick. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, do you have anything you just hate about this? Hey, me? Oh, I said Alex. Um, oh, sorry. Um, the romance is definitely bleh. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't care about it. I mean, it's nice, but it's not really something that I'm, I don't watch these movies because of the romance. All right. I watch <laughs> them because the world building cool. I watch it because, like I generally will skip to about thirty minutes in after the first fight. It's like, all right, let's get to the stuff that actually is important. Mm-hmm. I don't. That romance has no effect on this world at all, except the sh- like somewhat humanized Neo from his god complex that he somewhat develops in this movie. So. That's about it. I mean, it's still, in my opinion, this holds up so much. It it's not on par with the first Matrix, but nothing ever will be. Mm. So I I think that considering the impossible task they had in front of them, they did very well. Okay. All right. So, Brian, what about you? What are some of the the big flaws for you, Brian? Um, certainly the the big flaw for me is I. Because I like the I like the world building and I like the mm. kind of the direction that the characters are going. Um, so for me, it's just a little bit of the pacing. I think if that would have been picked up on a little bit, then it would have let the story kind of come through a little bit clearer. Um, which maybe that was their intention to keep it muddied for people. I don't know, but um, yeah, I think if if you would have trimmed it down a little bit, picked up the pace just a, a little bit, and uh, kept to the story a little bit more, I think it would have done it a few favors for sure. Okay, that's fair. Dakari, what are some flaws for you, and what would you rate this this entry? I mean, my biggest flaw, of course, is, you know, how there's a lot happening in the movie, and it can get a bit convoluted, and you get lost in the sauce, so you kind of really can't. Um, you, you can't latch on to everything, because there's just so much information at once, you know? But honestly, this is a good movie, and I think it's a great follow-up to the first movie. But as a whole, it's just a decent movie. Um... I do like the action sequences, even though the one with the House of a Thousand Smiths, you know, that one obviously looks like it comes out of, it came out of a PS2 game, but I don't care, it's so fun to watch. But as a whole, you know, this movie's definitely a, a, uh, a Naboo on the way to Bespin, uh, three and a half out of five. Okay. Yeah. Okay, for me, like, you know, the, like I said, it could be trimmed down quite a bit, but I, I enjoy the fuck out of this movie. Definitely my favorite Matrix, even though I don't think it's the best. Um, for me, it is a, just a flat best. But, um, what about you, Brian? Um, yeah, I'm going to be the same as Dakari. Uh, Naboo on the way to Bespin. Uh, three and a half for me. Okay. David? Uh, I'm a two out of five over here. What's that? That is a <laughs> Hoth. A Hoth. There we go. I'm a Hoth. Okay. Okay. Alex? Yeah, this is uh, this is the best thing on its way to Coruscant, man. For me, I love the heck out of this. It's pro- it's the one I rewatched the most, probably. Okay, I, like, I can that in First Matrix, I kind of just go back to back on. That's fair. That's fair. It's the most fun, I think. The second one. It it definitely takes the reins have definitely been loosened. Mm. 
Man, David, I better hear you dog in this third one. <laughs> hey, man. At this point. The gar- Is there anything like David? Just wondering. Do, do you like any sequels? Uh, well... Terminator 2. <laughs> you, you mean Matrix sequels, right? No, I'm just talking in general. Do you like sequels? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like, I like plenty of sequels. And uh, we'll get to one I like later on in this conversation. So. Oh, awesome. boy. Resurrections. Hope it's Resurrections. Nakari, give us your breakdown of uh, The Matrix Revolutions, the third entry, which picks up immediately after the second one. There's there's not even a title card for this film, right? It just goes straight to it, no opening credits? There, there's a title card, there's a title card, but it goes like directly into the movie afterwards. It's, yeah, I must they, have been not looking at the TV, dude, because I did not see a title card. <laughs> they ain't wasting time with this one. It, yeah. it just went by like, oh shit, okay. We get into the shit. Okay, so... Basically, this movie literally piggybacks directly from the previous film. You know, at the end, everybody's still trying to defend Zion from all the machine sentinels that are attacking the city. And while that's happening, you still got Neo, Trinity, and Morpheus in the Matrix doing their thing, pretty much. Fighting off Agent Smith and just uncovering so much more things that is yet to be discovered in the matrix and that's basically as vague as i can put it without spoiling anything no go ahead and spoil it fuck it we've seen the movies <laughs> oh, shoot, it's 18 years old it can drink it'll be fine well shoot i mean honestly man that's the best way i could put it right <laughs> exactly now. that's and you know what dakari that's the best way i could fucking put it because this one again just fucking throwing a thousand things at you yeah, but I wouldn't say it does it as much as Reloaded. I think I think this one actually gets more to the point than Reloaded. Yeah, they cut down the room time by like ten minutes, <laughs> and it's just it, it's much tighter storytelling. There's no unnecessary raves or anything. The it's ten minutes is cutting out a rave sex scene in the opening credits. That's where the ten minutes. Okay, went. <laughs> okay we'll cut. Screw it. Cut that out too. I don't care. It, Matrix Revolutions does what Matrix Reloaded wishes it could do. Absolutely. It gets, it gets straight into it. Oh, boy. <laughs> David, what are some of your thoughts? Did you see this one in theaters as well, David? I did, and just like Reloaded, I hated this one in theaters. <laughs> but uh, I actually like this one a little bit more uh, on the rewatch. I, I I still don't think it's as good as the first one by a mile. But uh, I and I feel like the general consensus is that the second one is better than the third. But I, I feel like this one's a little better, mainly because of that pacing. I, I feel like both movies are throwing so much new information at you about the world of the Matrix and not in a very well-thought-out way, but at least this one doesn't drag, and so at least it's a little bit more enjoyable to watch. Um, I think the Battle of Zion is ridiculous. Like it, It's basically a video game cutscene, and yeah, yeah. For, for it to be 40 minutes long and not feature any of the main characters is just batshit. Like... It's it's I can't believe that they would even think to do that. But um, aside from those incredibly long 40 minutes, uh, the rest of the movie is fun. It's the fun that I think you guys were getting out of Reloaded. Okay. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't love it, but I mean, I, I thought it was all right. 
Brian, how did this? How did you like this upon your first watch, Brian? Um, so upon my first watch, um, yeah, I mean, I was, I, I generally liked it. Um, kind of like I, I generally liked the, the second one there. Um, yeah, I, the, the battle for Zion, crazy, way too long. It goes on and on and on and on. But it, it looks really cool. Um, I like, I like the pacing of this one a lot. Uh, better. I, I like kind of the. The general story arc for Neo, he had to sacrifice himself basically to save humanity or, or whatever. Uh, Zion, you know, beat the machines, uh, whatever you want. Um, I like the I like the stuff, um, like go at, like figuring out like the way in through like the uh, like the back door, um, and to go visit with the Oracle. I like the stuff with the architect, um, you know, where they talk about you know all the different iterations of the 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 Matrix and all that stuff. Um, so I like it. I like it quite a bit. Um, uh, like I said, kind of, you know, I was I was so so on it first watch, um, but it's definitely grown on me over the years. And then if if you ever do just have, you know, close to six hours to watch these, you know, just literally back to back, then I think that it, it makes more sense if you can view it as as one movie, um, you know, as a, as opposed to two. If you if you don't think of this one as like the third movie, you just think of them together as like the like the second Matrix. Part. That's what I did. Actually, and I, I was bored as shit. <laughs> At least reloaded revolutions back to back, since they have yeah. a lot more tie-ins. I mean, the really only connecting bonds with the first and the second one are Agent Smith being released and the characters. Other than that, yeah. everything in Reload is different. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't sit down and watch like all four of these in a row. But yeah, if you wanted to watch two and three back to back like i said because they were they were filmed together these films were crazy expensive to make they were like 150 million dollars a piece so that's like 300 million dollars for the year for these two, so. that's less that's less <laughs> than some modern blockbuster movies yeah but yeah that, yeah that's true but i this was what like 20 years ago so well i mean they so, even so, spent more on that on movies 20 years ago some movies had 200 million i mean if you think about titanic that movie alone cost upwards of 200 million yeah, that's true. I mean, it made a billion dollars, so I guess it worked out. Yeah. Matrix, <laughs> Matrix two and three with a three hundred million dollar budget made over well over a billion. Yeah, but the Titanic has boobs. We established. So this. does Reloaded. Okay, yeah, so does Reloaded. but come on. Yeah, I mean, Reloaded does too. Yeah, yeah Reloaded has boobs, but I mean, Titanic I mean, has boobs. Really, wait a minute. Okay, we're not getting into that conversation. We're not getting into that. Last time I checked, I, I didn't watch the Matrix Reloaded in three D. Okay. <laughs> Max. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dakari, what are what are yep. some positive things you've got to say? I, I'm pretty sure this is your favorite of the four. No, is this it, isn't my favorite of the four, but it's probably my favorite sequel out of the four. Oh well, close enough, man. Okay, can, how what do you like about this fucking movie? <laughs> Honestly, man, I really love the pacing. The pacing is just so perfect. It really gets to the point. Sure, like. There's more world building, but in the end, it's just like, this is like the most final movie of a blockbuster trilogy that you could possibly see during this um, time period, 2003. Because, like, mm-hmm. the way all the arcs are wrapped up, the way the action sequences are held, you can tell that this was, like, the bookend of this specific Matrix arc, you know, disregarding Resurrections right now. But are you sure? it it really gets to the point 
and it pulls no punches. You know, I was engaged throughout. I wasn't halfway dozing off. You know, it it it, it really just set out to do what it was what exactly what it was supposed to do as a third film in the trilogy, and it worked for me on almost every level. Okay. Alright. Um. I, what's the best way for me to put this? You don't <clears> like it. No, no, no. I like parts of this. I, I'll compare. <laughs> I'll compare <laughs> Matrix two and three to Kill Bill one and two. All right. No, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean? I'm listening. Go ahead. Okay. I we're gonna we're gonna imagine Matrix Reloaded as Kill Bill one. Okay. Okay. I like Reloaded a lot. I like Kill Bill 1 a lot. I like the ending of 2 quite a bit, of both films. And I think 2 of both films are good. Like, they're, they're decent, they're alright. As solo films. But together as one film, you know, Kill Bill is really one movie. Matrix 2 and 3 is really one movie. I think it's great. I think it's fantastic for the most part. You know, like, it still has some fat here and there. I do think 2 and 3 could have just been one thing in general, like one three-hour movie. <laughs> but individually, it loses a lot for me. Um, kind of how I have that effect of Kill Bill, too. That's just me, though. I see that. Revolution, really, you can't understand without at least a second. Yeah, exactly. True. It's like, individually, well, I just don't care for it too much. Like... I'm never going to watch Matrix Revolutions individually. If I ever rewatch this movie, and I'm sure it will at some point because I really did enjoy the watching the three at home. Um, <coughs> it will be immediately after or a day after watching two. That's kind of the way it was intended, though. This wasn't like the, these parts all connect. That was one of the beauty, beautiful things of this trilogy, mm -hmm. especially two and three, is that they're all connective pieces. Like how we look at the MCU nowadays. Well, yeah, they're all connecting pieces, but they don't have to be viewed that way is what I'm saying, though. Like, um... Yeah, d d anyway, you get what I'm saying, dude. I can't just compare I it to do. Kill Bill. Uh, yeah, once you... I was like, really bad Tarantino? Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I'm not, a fan, I'm not a fan of either one of those films. They, You want to talk about a snooze fest? You only killed... Okay, well... World what? would do that on a Kill Bill episode. Jesus Christ! Update: I've just been kicked off the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Christ! Look, if you compare <laughs> it to the rest of Tarantino's filmography, it's very mid. To say the, the, that's about the highest grade I can say. It's mid. all right. You're getting because me. I, <laughs> you look. I'm not the Neo. You don't get to do that to me. You made me completely okay. lose track of what I was about to say next to this third movie. <laughs> Okay. okay. I had another valid point that went straight out the window, Alex. You just fucked my whole. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Because once you start comparing the Re Matrix Revolutions, which is a far better film than either Kill Bill movie. I oh my god. Okay. Well, okay. Can I defend real quick before I get kicked off? All right. All right. The final fight scene between Smith and Neo. Compared to the crazy 88 fight sequence in Kill Bill. One is clearly better than the other and not as choppy. Crazy oh. 88 fight sequence is oh very choppy. God. 
Bro, let's say no, 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 uh-uh. no. No. Let's save uh-uh. this for another episode, please. Because okay, I, yeah, I want to go twelve rounds with you on this. I want to go twelve rounds on this. Oh, I, I'm ready. I'm ready, bro. I grew up watching Kill Bill ever since I was four years old, bro. Oh, do we, same here. Do we need to do an LFG okay, comparing? Okay, hold on, hold on. Let's hold on. do it. Do we need to do an LFG comparing Kill Bill to the Matrix? Is what you're saying? Please, let us. I would yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. It'll be the longest episode of Galaxy Film ever. Me and Dakari are just going twelve rounds. Let's do it. Let's yeah, do it. I'm gonna rewatch man. Kill Bill just for the fun of it. Let's for whatever it. fucking reason. I would reason. watch it and I'll take notes on how bad on like what I don't like. For whatever reason, our Snyder Cut episode was actually longer than the movie itself. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. As it should be. There's so much to unpack. All right. Anyways, last thing. Okay, okay, okay. okay hold okay. on. Last fucking thing I wanted to bring up that I enjoyed about this. Um, and it came back to my thoughts because I was thinking about the whole Tenet conversation we had about Matrix Reloaded. The, the, like the big fight between Smith and Neo towards the end of it where they're... They're in this crater, basically, that they've formed during the fight. That reminds me so much of uh, the fight from Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, the comic, with Batman fighting the mutant leader in the crater as well. Weird little memory of mine. That just it, it, it reminds me of that so much. But, Brian, what are some of your overall positive thoughts of this third Matrix film? Yeah, I, I really like just in general, I like the way that it ties the story together. I like the way that it brings it to an end. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting about the Matrix trilogy is you can look at the first movie, and that's perfectly fine as a standalone. Mm-hmm. And then you can tack these on, and they make perfect sense to tie onto that. Um, and they wrap up the story perfectly fine. And then you add on the fourth one, and that seems to do it too. And that's not always the case when you have these uh, big properties. But yeah, I, I really like the way that it that it kind of tied everything together from Reloaded and uh, brought it to a, a satisfying conclusion, I thought. Okay. And Alex, you? I really enjoyed this conclusion. I think that it wraps up everything very nicely, but also still leaves it open to, you know, future projects, which clearly we've gotten. And like Dakari said, it is the tightest of all the Matrix films. That's... The one thing that this does better than either one of the other Matrix films is its pacing. It it starts at like 50 miles an hour and it ends at 150 miles an hour. <laughs> it it paced perfectly. It's probably the best paced film of any of the Wachowskis, and that's even beating out the Masterpiece of Speed Racer. Even Jupiter right. Ascending, which I hated. The pacing on that was good. I can't deny that. Speed Racer's Jupiter, fucking great, dude. Speed Racer. Jupiter Speed Ascending... Racer, Jupiter Ascending, the best thing it had going for it was the pacing. I saw. I hated, I hated that movie. I hated that movie. I saw Speed Racer in IMAX opening weekend. Lucky man, I would have killed to do that. Lucky. So fucking that awesome. Movie, that movie. One is of my biggest piece. regrets in life is not seeing Speed Racer in IMAX. That's what God, I'm saying. Dude. I saw at the Marbles downtown Raleigh here in North Carolina, biggest Whoa. screen in the state, dude. Very fond memories watching that thing. I loved Speed Racer growing up. That, that movie was a. Been, what was it? Were they still showing their movies on film then? Do you know? Yeah, bro. Okay, because yeah. I know the Dark, the I was, dark what, Knight was one seven? of the last. I remember this stuff. I remember the Dark Knight was the first movie Marvel showed that was not on film. They showed it digitally. 
Okay, dude. You when I was seven, I wasn't sitting here <laughs> going to the popcorn counter. Is this on film? I need to watch Speed Racer on thirty-five. No, the reason I'm saying there's no, there's an actual difference in the presentation with IMAX, dude. There is. There is a. Big there's a legitimate action, like the way that like these digital movies, like when we saw No Way Home, shooting it with IMAX film and shooting it IMAX digitally are two very different things. Okay, yeah. I don't think I've seen an IMAX on film then. I don't. I mean, you know, you must, Speed Racer was before The Dark Knight. When The Dark Knight played in at Marvels, it was they they had, that was the first one that they showed. You saw one of the last ones to be shown on film. Well, lucky mm-hmm. me, I also saw the Spider Witch Chronicles there. Oh God, just <laughs> Spider Witch, Spider Wick. You know, I don't spider- know what the fuck it's called. It's it was Spider Witch. That movie kind of slaps. Like, I read the books. Yeah, I read the books. Uh, David, do you have any other positive things about Matrix Revolutions to add on to this? I do. I do, actually. One last positive. Uh, they struck the balance with the score between the first one's awesome score and the second mm-hmm. one's terrible score. Somehow, I think they knew how bad that score was, and they were <laughs> like, let's just dial things back just a little bit, and they got to like a perfect balance on it. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up as well. It's not bad. You, yeah. It's a good in-between, like you said. Um, as far as negatives go, Dakari, how are you feeling with this one? Uh, negatives, uh, literally, like, negatives, man. The only thing I can say negative about this is that, yes, you know, the world building, like, reloaded is still, like, a lot to catch on to. You know, it's still a bit convoluted, but at the end of the day, uh, shit. Jesus. (laughs) Excuse me. At the end of the day... I still enjoyed this movie for what it was. It wrapped up the entire three-story arc the best way it possibly could have. Um, yeah, this is my favorite sequel in uh, the entire franchise. I'm you can, you're doing ratings now? Uh, if you want to give your rating, then go ahead. Sure, we'll get everyone's Dude, I'm ratings giving after this the a best spin, bro. I'm giving this a best spin, bro. Wow, you're generous. <laughs> I, I had a great time with this movie. I really did. I had a great time with it. Absolutely. For me, um, flat out, my, my reading's in the boo. Um, I think this is a fine entry. You know, I, I like the ending quite a bit. It ends on a high note. Um, the Battle of Zion, like you said, I think best. Uh, David, like it was a PS2 game almost. Like, this this is a cutscene. It's a cutscene, yeah. It's a long-ass cutscene, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. So even though it's cool as shit, it's cool as shit for, what, 40 minutes, 35, 40 minutes? Makes sense. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of foul in this one as well, and a lot of things thrown again all at once at you. Maybe I'll appreciate 2 and 3 more upon rewatches. Um, specifically, maybe 3, because, you know, 3 is the weakest of the, of, these, of the trilogy, in my opinion. It's not bad, though. So it, it is in a boo for me. Right in the middle okay. of the road. What about you, um, Ryan? How are you feeling about it? What's some negatives? What's your rating? Um, yeah, my big my big negative is just the the battle for Zion. It just goes on and on and on, and I don't think we check in with Trinity and Neo enough during it um, to kind of break up the action and to keep their story relevant. I think it's it almost starts to get lost uh, for me a few times. Um, 
but then it does it does tie it back together i really like the the way that it ends and closes the story and like alex said you know it leaves some some cracks there if they wanted to tell future stories which we're about to talk about um yeah, overall for me, I'm going to go uh, same as Reloaded. I'm going to say Naboo on the way to Bespin, so three and a half on this one for me, too. Okay, all right. David, what about you? Um, I, I will say one last negative is just how much time, not just in that Battle of Zion, but just in general, how much time we spend with characters that aren't uh, Neo, Trinity, and Morpheus. Mm-hmm. Um, it just spends way too much time on all those other people, which is the the film's biggest problem. But uh, I, I'll go with the three out of five. What's that, Naboo? Yeah, it's Naboo as well. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, so it's a little better than Reloaded for me, but uh, kind of middle of the road. Okay, that's fair. I agree. There is a lot of side characters we're just hanging out with, who I cannot tell you a single one of their names except for Link. No. Not a chance. That's true. And yeah, the only yeah. reason I know his name is because I like his character in a different project. So I 100% agree with that. What about you, Dakari? What's your your rating on this one? Oh, you already... You already get, that's right. Yeah. Gee, that tells you how fucking... How much of a day it's been for me. Christ. Alex, what about you? <laughs> um, as far as negatives go, i definitely say that um, Battle Zion is... Do, doesn't age well at all. Um... Wasn't a huge fan of the score in this one as well, and just there's just something feels off for a lot of the movie. It tries to be too philosophical. It tries to take some ideas that were presented in the second one and make those a bigger focus in this film when they should have mm-hmm. just been something mentioned in the second one. Um, as far as ratings go, I'm going to go ahead and say that this is a Desmond. I think about it real quick. It's four out of five for me because I still there's so much that I enjoy about it. It's a great conclusion. Um, yeah, that's what I got to say. Mm-hmm. Dakari, are you ready for this? Yes, I am. Go ahead, give us the recap on uh, well, your most anticipated movie, I believe, of two thousand twenty-one. One of. One of. Yes. The movie that you know we. We put off. We weren't even going to do this episode until we got some requests for it, because we, we, Daniel and I saw the reviews of this film. Not going to lie. Give us your recap of the Matrix Resurrections. I know you've waited a while to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. This is a big deal for you. I know. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where to start here. So basically, <laughs> it does spirit. Sp- it does piggyback off of the last film, but in a spiritual way. Because mm-hmm. everything and everybody has been reincarnated. Hence the name, The Matrix Resurrections. Right? Neo is this big... Um, not he, he went from being a computer hacker to a gaming designer in this movie. And Neo... Oh, not Neo. Trinity went from being a freedom fighter for the Nepka Desert to being a housewife with two kids. And it when they meet up again in this movie, it almost feels like they're common people. But as the movie progressed, you really kind of start to understand why they just keep meeting up and keep syncing with each other all, all, each time they meet. You know, so basically everything in this movie 
is been has been reload not reloaded but reincarnated hence the name the matrix resurrections and that's as vague as i can put it without saying too much because there is also like the last two movies there is a lot hmm. <laughs> there is a lot so take it away who had a chance to see this in theaters compared to hbo max i did Brian, did you watch this at home? Yeah, I watched it at home. Keeping up with the tradition, I like it. I like it. That's right. That's right. Um, I have the yeah, theater here. Why would I go? Else. Why would I go? <laughs> Why would I go to the theater? <laughs> no, well, uh, it's just because it came out like the week of Christmas. So you know, we were up visiting family. So like, I'm gonna take four hours and drive to the movie theater to see the Matrix. That was good that point. wasn't gonna work. So yeah, good I had point. To, and just, mm-hmm. and I had to stick with uh, HBO Max, and the rest of the world was with me because no one went to the theater and saw this. So, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you're not wrong. I'm I saw it at the same theater as Max, but I saw it opening day, the only IMAX screening they had, and they played the wrong movie. Mm. <laughs> what movie did they play? It, they oh, because they had Spider-Man No Way Home IMAX screenings throughout the day. Like, all day they had those screenings going. So opens up, and next thing I know, it's you know Sony logos. Start hearing Jake Gyllenhaal's voice. It's like, well, I didn't realize he was in the Matrix. Oh wait, they're playing the wrong movie, and they didn't get it fixed for about an hour. People in my theater were losing it. They were getting so mad at the theater. It was kind of hilarious to watch people implode like that. They wanted to warn you guys. They wanted you to watch a good movie. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Wow, Max. Wow. Max, take your slander somewhere else. I won't have any of it here. Um, yeah. And it's just, seeing it in IMAX was well worth it, even though the action is not the main star of this movie, which definitely did not make some people happy. I'm guessing it didn't make Max happy because there weren't boobs and there wasn't a lot of action. Yeah, no boobs. Bad movie. <laughs> I miss you, Ping, bro. Like, I swear to God, I wonder what he's doing, bro. <clears throat> Uh, he's up in heaven. He he's up in heaven creating fight sequences with Jesus and Juice World. You miss who? <laughs> the fight choreographer of the first three Matrix. Oh, yeah, well, he he's still alive. <laughs> he's definitely still alive because he made a what? movie. I think he's still alive. He he he. Uh, you ever heard of It Man franchise? Yeah. He made a spinoff movie called Master Z It Man Legacy. He directed it. Came out twenty nineteen. Then why in Groot's Green Earth did he not do the fight choreography for this? Warner Brothers. I have, I have no idea. I the thought he was dead. The same I, I reason. Was, I'll tell you why right now, Alex. The same reason why Lawrence Fishburne's not in this movie. Duh. Don't talk about that because we got Yaya Abdul-Mahdi, and he is fantastic as Morpheus. He does a good job. He does a good also, job. Also, he gives he gives the best Morpheus line that Lawrence Fishburne never says when they're in that little modal. Um, like when Neo figured out about the Matrix, the bar and everything, welcome to the crib. He just says that with the amount of coolness that Lawrence Fishburne would have said it. <laughs> yeah. So he, he does Morpheus really well. I'm sorry that there are no boobs for you in here, okay? Maybe in the next one. All right, Max? Yeah, I need to see Morpheus just motorboating someone. <laughs> for the that would be hilarious. That would be awesome. I'm not even going to lie to you. I don't... That would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, did anyone else feel the tension between Bugs and Morpheus like that, or is that just me? Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, Alex, I, I also had a weird experience seeing this in theaters. Um, 
didn't go to the, my local theater for this because it got pulled, so I had to go 30 minutes to a different theater to go see this. Um, I went to. It was a weird AMC. I've been to many AMCs that have the reclining seats. This one, the back had separate controls, which was cool. It was just a weird seat, okay? With these cheap little, like, knockoff tables. That, it, it just felt like a knockoff Alamo with no waiter service. Max, is this really your issue with the movie? No, 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 no. I'm just saying, I want to just talk about the theater experience real quick. It was weird. I walk in. It was a, a 3 o'clock showing. So you get like 15 minutes worth of previews, right? Typically, about 15 minutes. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. For the first Too 10 many. minutes, I'm getting previews on the speakers with no video. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, movie's fucked up. Either me or this one other person in the theater have to get out and go talk to someone. And I'm like, we sit next to the exit, like right by the little ramp. So I'm I'm waiting for him to get up first. By the time I'm getting, I get fed up of waiting. I I, I stand up and walking down the stairs to go let an employee know because this guy just never gets up. The previews start coming on, like the the screen flickers on. It's weird. It starts the movie. We see the like the. I get 20 seconds into this thing, and then the previews restart, and I get a full like half hour of previews. My 3 o'clock showing didn't start till 3.40-something. It was weird. And this movie's already two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, it made no sense to me. What I don't know what the issue was, why it was on just the odd, like the speakers... Why I had even more previews? It was it was it was a nightmare. Um, that theater has been going downhill for all. AMC South Point Seventeen. <clears throat> if you're listening, step your game up, man. This is getting ridiculous. Yeah, just a shitty theater, dude. That absolute Alamo Draft House is beating you. I, that's the reason I canceled AMC A list because that theater was bad. Yeah, dude. And the only other AMC I've been to in this town was also dog shit. I saw the Lion Wait. King remake opening day. I couldn't tell you which AMC it was. Um, um, I don't know if... I'm trying to think, it might have been Raleigh. Uh, I mean, your area would have been Raleigh. I know... Yeah. It's in Raleigh. I just don't know what AMC it was. There's oh, a couple then of AMC... It's probably the AMC Raleigh than your state, if I had to guess. I think... That's something. Anyways, the, one of the speakers had been blown or something, because any time young Simba opened his mouth... It sounded like crackles, and I couldn't tell if the audio was that bad or if it was a speaker. It was a terrible experience, dude. Um, never going to an AMC in this area again. I'll go to fail. That movie for was AMC. mixed terribly, anyways. Was that it? That movie was. It was mixed terribly, man. Like they, John Favreau, any kind of care that he had for those movies left the moment he signed on to Lion King. Well. Thanks for making me feel better about my, my ticket purchase. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the movie's fault, man. Not come on. I mean, because when I went to go see it, the audio was fine. So this is why we watched on Disney Plus instead, and just don't waste your money on the theater ticket for it. Yeah, that's what I should have done for the Matrix Resurrections because I uh, paid to go see this mind. in theaters. That movie deserves to be seen in the theater. I'll go I ahead. I'll in the theater. Shit. I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll I'll be straight up with it before we start talking about pros and cons. I fucking hated this movie. Ah, what? This oh. is one of the worst things I've seen in theaters in a long time. Oh my god! No, Max, how you're so wrong. Like, 
Nicole, you want to take this? Uh, Alex, I'll tell you this for, for reference, because we saw this movie. I liked House of Gucci more than this. What? I thought, I thought we uh, could get through one episode. Hell no. One episode without talking about House of anything House of Gucci. <laughs> I wish, because god damn, I hated this fucking movie. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, Dakari, for reference, um, Max, his roommate, and I all saw House of Gucci together. And this man falls asleep on my shoulder. <laughs> I rolled over. <laughs> he fell asleep on my shoulder. Listen, listen, man. I keep on hearing about how I keep on hearing about how boring House of Gucci is. It's not boring. Max is just an old man. No, he's it's complaining also just about trash. Seat. He's he's complaining about his seat controls. He can't figure out the buttons. He thinks a movie with Adam Driver, Lady Gaga is boring. I don't. He's just an old man. But, dude, I, anyway, I fucking hated The Matrix 4. Resurrections, uh, yeah, dude. This franchise shouldn't have been resurrected, in my opinion. Um, as far as listing positive things, I think the scene where Neo does a weird force push is kind of cool. He does that multiple times. Yeah. Many times. Oh, well. The first, the fucking dojo in the wat... The... <laughs> Nakari, why do you like this movie? Please explain it. You said me? Yeah, why do you like this thing? I've been waiting all day okay. for someone to tell me why they like this movie. Okay. On Dakari. Okay. Go ahead. Alright, so honestly, man, this movie, like we said how satirical the other three movies were, this movie pulls no punches and goes for the jugular in regards to satire in this movie. This movie goes all out, and it is fully aware of its source material. And it is fully aware of the society we're in right now in terms of reboots, in terms of video games, all that stuff. And it just they culminate that into the universe of the Matrix, and they update it. That's basically what this is. It's a commentary of the world today, just like the older movies were, except this one's a little bit more extreme. Mm. You know, so that's one of the things I admire about this movie. Not even just that. I like the fact that it was its own thing while still paying respect and homage to characters like Neo and Trinity. They really worked so well in this movie. When they came together, it was just like yin and yang. It, they were, it was so perfect seeing them together. It was so perfect seeing their arcs being fleshed out more. And the fact that they needed each other this whole time. You know, you don't really realize that until almost the end of the movie. And it, the way this film wraps up, it just makes you think either they could stop here or they could do a lot more with this new Matrix. And yeah. that's one of the things I love about the Matrix as a franchise is because it, it, it gives you so many possibilities. It gives you so many things to think about and just... A gleam over in regards to having and creating new ideas. This movie is a testament to why we love The Matrix. At least in my opinion. And it worked almost at least it worked a lot for me. It worked a lot. Okay. Alright. <laughs> Brian, you look like you want to slap the fuck out of me right now, so please tell me. <laughs> As you should. I... I am not going to slap you, Max, because we all know 
here, you know, those of us that come and guest on your podcast, that you don't really know that much about what a good movie is. So we, under, okay, we understand. Bro. We get it. We get it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, Matrix Resurrections is excellent because it takes everything that the Matrix did and it both carries on with that stuff, but it also makes it this whole new thing. Um, it's so interesting. It's so meta with itself, yes. which only can work in, in the, the world of the Matrix. Um, it's so great. Um, I, you have a new Smith. You have a new um, Morpheus. But that works because of the way that they structured the story. Because, you know, Neo and Trinity don't really look like Neo and Trinity. So it's totally fine that there are different people. Um, that they had to have different actors come in. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris, the analyst, is so amazing. He's so scary that he knows that... Uh, Neo can hack the Matrix, but he can basically just slow the Matrix down, and that nullifies everything that he could do. And Neo is, he's just completely, like, cut off at the knees, and it's Trinity, you know, like I, like I said earlier, you know, Trinity was Neo's kind of motivation throughout the first story, and then it flips, um, you know, and he's her motivation to come back in and, you know, sort this matrix stuff out. Um, so I absolutely loved it. I don't, I don't really understand people that said that they didn't like it or well, not even that they didn't like it, but that they, that they hated it. I don't understand that at all. That doesn't make any sense to me. Crazy. Crazy. Right. I think it's probably because I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think it's probably because of the fact that people were expecting something like new or different. People always are, people are always expecting something new. When they get something new, they trash it. The Last Jedi is a prime example, but we're not going to get into that. Okay. Last um, Jedi is just not good, Dakari. That's your okay. opinion, bro. I the best Star Wars movie. Wrong. And I'm standing by it. <laughs> I love that movie. Fuck you. Oh, I cannot <laughs> wait until we, in four years from now, get to the fucking sequel trilogy. <laughs> oh, man, that's going to be fun. Let me tell you. Right. Um, also, I don't know if any of y'all know this. There's a theory going around. that This movie was made as a giant middle finger to Warner Brothers. For Hell yeah. For Lana Wachowski to do this movie. And I rewatched it recently, and I totally see that. And I'm here for it. Because from what I hear, they were going to do something with or without her. And the fact that she came back and was like, all right, I'm going to make this. But it's basically just going to tell you to go screw yourselves. That's that's new. That's different. People wanted Matrix 3.5 or whatever. They just wanted more action. They wanted it to feel like the originals. And instead, it, it flips the script. It does. Yep. That's so, the whole point. Yeah, it just... To jump right on top of what you're saying right there uh, with that theory, you know, the thing is with the first Matrix, like I said, it's like living through this this huge jump in technology for movie making. And that's something that you just don't get very often. We were never going to get that again with a fourth Matrix movie. There's just no way in hell that would happen. There's just nothing too advanced. But what we did get is something else that we're probably never going to see again, which is a filmmaker saying, oh, you want a sequel to that big, gigantic blockbuster hit that I made? Give me $190 million and I'll do it. And then delivering a big fuck you to the studio after the fact. Yeah. And the, stu and the studio looked at it and said, I don't know what to do with this, but let's just release it anyway. And that's the best I can I get. Don't even, I don't even think they realized that that's what they had on their hands. Just like yeah. Get Out won the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. Making fun of white liberals, but that's exactly who voted for it to win the Oscar. Exactly. They don't even understand. 
they don't even understand that what what they're releasing is actually making fun of them. And that's possibly why it got pulled from theaters so early, because Warner Brothers realized, hey, this movie's making fun of us. What the heck? And that's and why that's why see, this movie succeeds. They that's dropped the Oscar campaign recently. They just stopped doing it. They're not even promoting it to get nominated for Best VFX. Exactly. Because like they, Warner Brothers has finally realized from everyone on Reddit being like, ha this movie's making fun of you. They're realizing that. And they're like, oh, we can't have that. That's so... Which, after the boneheaded decisions that they've been doing recently, I can't blame Lana Wachowski for doing something like that. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I think Warner Brothers had this coming, and somebody was going to do it eventually. Chris Nolan already left them. So, they, they lost their one saving grace. So, now it's just kind of like, all right, how long until Disney pies them? Especially after something like this. I think the, the meaning behind this coming out... With 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 uh with with Wachowski. I think it's great. You know, I, I think it's it's awesome that she, it's a big fuck you. It just doesn't work for me still as a movie itself. Like every meaning meanings away from it, from behind the scenes. Like this just doesn't fucking work for me. This movie, this to me, felt like a rehash of the first one completely. I'm being serious, man. I'm, I don't even know how you could begin to think that. This I mean, shares it, almost. It shares almost nothing. Like even the basic DNA of the film is different than the first Matrix. I mean, in some ways, it kind of you know replicates the formula of the first film, but it kind of like elevates that into you know this metaverse of the Matrix. So, I mean, it, it's different, but you know you can tell that the formula is still there. So I get what you mean. Yeah, man. Neo's stuck in the Matrix, not knowing he's in the Matrix. Has a decision to decide to either stay in or come out. Comes out is overwhelmed by these freedom fighters. Um, then has to com- have Trinity conveniently fall in love with them. And well, oh, no, and I mean, I, I mean, they even they even set it up right at the at the very start of the movie. It starts out exactly the same as the first movie, but something's different, and they know that. Everyone has watched the first Matrix, and everyone's going to know that it's different, that something is wrong, that there is a glitch in this new Matrix. Yeah, and I, and I don't, I don't want to give them too much credit, but at the same time, I mean, Deja Vu has been built into this particular world building since the beginning, and mm. the idea that these events were going to play themselves out again in a different way is part of what makes this, this series what, what it is. Okay. I didn't exactly. take the deja vu consideration. Exactly. And it would make sense as to why, you know, everything's reincarnated and retread and resurrected because, like, it would make sense for this universe, for the Matrix. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's been happening this whole time throughout all three movies. Yeah. Yeah, but someone who's. Keep in mind, like, this is my first time watching any of these things. I'm not invested. I don't, I don't care about this franchise as much as something I've grown up with mm-hmm. or I've seen time and time again. You know, you watched this when you were 16, right? You said? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you watched this when you were... Grade. I was in 8th grade. I was in 8th grade, yeah. Oh, 2016. Excuse in... me, not when you were 16. Yeah, 2016, yeah. Yeah, you've watched this for, for years now. You've been, you know, David, you saw this in theaters, all of them, when they came yeah. out. Brian, you were shortly behind watching them at home. I mean, like, you guys are more invested in this franchise than I am. 
I don't care about it in terms of the long run of it. Um, it's like going into this thing and seeing it feel a bit like the first film. I mean, <coughs> excuse me. We're, we're seeing the opening scene almost being identical, but from a different point of view. It, almost immediately, I lost interest in this thing. Almost immediately. And I, I just to, to comment on that for a second, you know, th- this movie being a big meta commentary on blockbuster and sequel and IP based filmmaking, I mean, isn't that what Star right. Wars does? Isn't that what Marvel does? Isn't that what DC does? Like, all of these things are just kind of repeating themselves over and over again. And again, I, I, I don't want it to sound too much like a cop out or anything, but that is kind of what they are commenting on by repeating themselves within the movie. Okay. Yeah. I kind of I, I kind of remember point. an Avengers movie where half of it was just footage from the other Avengers movies. So. Yeah. <laughs> Avengers Endgame. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but see, I see a lot of footage in this one too, man. Right. I know, like, and that's that's what it's doing. It's, I get it's that. looking yeah, at it. It's, it's like, a bit like are, a, these, are, these are the movies that are being made, and that's that's what it has. It's always been the social commentary, the satire that's existed in this world to to tell this crazy science fiction story. It almost just feels like a spit in the face for me watching this thing, man. This fourth one. This, I, wow. I feel like, like that's how people who don't like The Last Jedi describe The Last Jedi, though. Exactly. So that kind of makes sense that you'd say that. Yeah. Exactly. Some okay. things are over people's head, Max. It's fine. It's fine. You know. exactly. exactly. Brian, do you like The Last Jedi? Uh, the Last Jedi is exceptional, so yes. Coruscant. Ooh, I can't Coruscant. wait to argue that episode. I can't Ooh, wait. Ooh, Coruscant. Ooh. I can't give it a Coruscant, but it's definitely a high rating. Okay, you're getting muted. Shush. <laughs> Shush, man. I have, I have my own issues last Jedi for my reasons. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it did go over my head. Maybe I need to give this one another viewing. I'm, I'd be more open to it compared to watching 3 again. Uh, but... For my first experience, I just wasn't impressed with this thing. For my first viewing, I just, I'll throw yeah. a couple negatives out there if you'd like. <laughs> go, just, go just, ahead. just to go just, ahead. just to bring it down just a little bit. I mean, we already mentioned the action sequences. I mean, they're they're not as good as the other ones, obviously. No. <laughs> and I don't think they're necessarily bad, but they're clearly not as good. And the the other thing I would say, and this kind of speaks to you not liking it, Max. I mean. This is a movie, I, I hate to say it, but as much as I loved it, and obviously these other guys loved it, it is definitely not for everyone. I mm. mean, this, Absolutely not. Your, 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 your enjoyment of it is really going to uh, depend on how much you could get into like that kind of a metal, meta level of filmmaking. And like, you know, wh- whether you enjoy that or just kind of maybe eye roll it or whatever, but it's definitely not a for everyone movie. Thanks, make me feel better, David. <laughs> um, Brian, what about you? Any any negatives you want to go over of this one? Um, yeah, I I guess just in terms we've we've harped on it, you know, enough probably with the pacing of some of this stuff. I think like kind of you know the end sequence where where they're getting Trinity that stuff with Sati, um, I think could probably have been trimmed or sped up a little bit. Um, you know, the action's not as great, but I think that the action that we got, especially considering, you know, these 
actors and actresses are 30 years on from when we saw them before. Like, I really liked the stuff on the train, you know, early on in the film. I liked the last um, kind of chase sequence with the motorcycle. Um, I liked all that stuff. I liked that they could, you know, just take over random people and they all just start launching themselves out the window. That was like fodder for, that was, that was, that was great. But yeah, I, I guess if I had to go off of like one, like hard negative, it's probably, like I said, it's just a little bit of the pacing there kind of towards the end, which seems to be a problem with not, not the first matrix. I don't think, I think that that's paced fine, but I think the, you know, the second and third, I think had that same sort of issue where it just. It just uh, got a little long in the tooth, kind of in that like third act. Okay, okay. Dakari, you've been blowing this movie whole episode. Yeah. What, what do you have any negatives for it? Uh, the pacing, of course, it's a bit slower. Um, there's a lot happening in this movie, so you really have to pay attention. Just like Reloaded and Revolutions, and the fight scenes, they are not as on par. Um as you know the other three films were they're good they're fun to watch but you can tell you know the frame rate is higher and you know the action sequences are a lot more rough around the edges this time around they're not as fluid as they were in the other two movies those are the only three things that really kind of you know that i have issues with in regards to this movie but other than that this is a great movie i love it okay alex um as far as Issues go, I definitely say it did not need to be two and a half hours, even okay. though at the same time it feels like it earns the runtime. The fight scenes were not up to par. Also, the cameos from the Merovingian and Niobe were completely unnecessary. In fact, I think the film would be far better if you cut both of them out. Merovingian just annoyed me. When he showed up, I was like, oh, cool. You're annoying me. Get out. Oh, stop I off. thought he was Shut funny. Off. I like Meridian. I did not find his humor funny at all. I think it missed the mark. It just was unnecessary. Um, are we doing ratings right now? Fuck it, dude. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, I'm giving this one just a straight uh, best one. 405. Okay. Um, I, it's, it's a really soft... Considering the gap between the third and fourth films, the fact that they were able to pull it off, they were able to make fun of Warner Brothers... And the fact that it just exists, man, even if we don't get another one, but I seriously hope we do this new cast of characters. I, I, by the time it was over, I want to see more of them. Okay. All right. Um, David, what would you rate this entry? Yeah. I just want to say really quick, um, not to like argue the point or anything, but to what Alex just said, uh, I think this movie is at its best. If we don't get more. I think it's just the perfect cap to the series. Just end it. If they want to do like a TV series about some of the other characters or some other shit that's happening in the world, fine, whatever. But end the movies. It's done. Finished. Uh, I'm going with a four. That's been okay. Brian. Uh, yeah. Just to to piggyback off of that. Um, yeah. I think it totally ended perfectly. I love you know Trinity was the one that finally saved. Uh, humanity there at the end. Uh, I think it's very similar to um, what we saw with Revolutions. It ended, and there are enough cracks there if they decide to go on and tell more stories or go in and tell backstories, which I think would be kind of more interesting about you know kind of the rise of the this machine world. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Bespin for me four. Okay, I'm glad to let you guys go first. That way you don't hate me. This is a jacu for me. I fucking hated this. 
God, <laughs> man. Jeez. Oh. You, you Max, forgot, you forgot about issue. me, though. You didn't let me give the ring. Oh, I know. I'm getting you in a second, buddy. I think on a high note, trust me. Um, I hated it, dude. Being honest, like maybe out of between this and three, I'm more open to rewatching this one for sure. So I could try to understand better why people enjoy it. I think the meta thing's fine. The behind the scenes stuff about being a big fuck you is neat. Don't get me wrong. I could not have cared less about Trinity in this movie whatsoever. Um, don't like the new characters at all. One bit. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris is kind of boring in my opinion in this. And I'm a big Neil Patrick Harris fan. Um, the new Smith is weird. Don't care for him whatsoever. It really stuck out like a sore thumb whenever towards... I think it is the third act where he screams out Mr. Anderson, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. That really just stuck out like a sore thumb for me. It felt like he was just trying to do an impression more than his own performance. Um, Alex, I'm going to butcher his name. It's Yaya, correct? Yeah. Yaya. Okay. I, th- I loved him in Candyman. I really loved his performance in Candyman. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Could not have cared less for him as Morpheus. Um, and of that being said, like, I'm... You know, this is my first time watching these things. I'm not... Yeah, like, I, I knew nothing about The Matrix Online, about Morpheus dying. So going into this thing, I'm like, where the fuck is Morpheus at? It was just weird, man. That's the best way I can put it. This definitely wasn't for me. Um, I left the theater with more questions and answers, and not in a good way, in my opinion. And there was a post credit scene, I hear. But by the time this movie was over with, I just couldn't have cared less to watch it. Wait, what? There was? It was just a joke thing. It wasn't... It was them, uh... Oh, yeah, like, I remember. In, in the boardroom. Like, yeah. they were just kind of continuing that scene in the boardroom. Yeah. Okay. It was like outtakes from the boardroom, almost, kind of. Oh, gotcha. I thought it was an actual teasing for a fifth one. I thought that's why Alex no. had mentioned if there was no. another one. It was it was making fun of things that have post credit scenes. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's one other glaring issue that none of us, I think, have mentioned. Go ahead. The end credits. No Rage Against the Machine song in the credits. Oh, true. No, there true. Isn't. That no, is no, true. No, it, it was it was a cover of Rage. Yeah, it was a cover of Rage. Cover. Yeah. It was a cover, but you that can't beat a classic. Thing. <laughs> that was the point. You really think about what the movie was about and what the movie was going for. That's kind of the point. Yeah, I thought it, that was reincarnated, it, is resurrected. It, it might have been a redone. part of the movie, but still, there was some that was they missed out on doing it with Matrix uh, Revolutions. They should have brought back that for the end credits, man. <laughs> it's just the perfect way to go out. See, I thought that was the best part. <laughs> was hearing that cover and it being over. <laughs> of course, you did, Max. You just don't know how to have fun anymore. No, I just didn't the enjoy music, this. The score ruled, by the way. Fantastic score by Tom oh, Tiger. Really good, really good. Oh, great, great score. I have, yeah. I have the Mondo vinyl in order, Max. I'm gonna, I'm gonna order that. Yeah. To it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Brian, you can come big, over. I know you're a big Mondo vinyl guy, so you can come on over. Yeah. We can sit on a couch and listen to it. <laughs> we'll sit on one of your couches and listen to it. It'll be nice. I'll try to explain to you how good films work. You can you can see if you can figure them out. I don't know. Please do. Yeah, go ahead. What? Yeah, this wasn't for me. Hundred percent. Was I'll give it a rewatch at some point. I'll be open to it. I'll let you know how I feel about it. But 
I'm matrixed out after <laughs> watching these all for the first time back to back. Um, so is Lana, by the way. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's get Speed Racer two going. Yeah, yeah. Where's my Speed okay, Racer two? Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. Look, we can get four Matrix movies, but only one Speed Racer movie. It don't it don't add up. No, yeah. not at all. But Dakari and the Son of Hina, what's your rating for this thing? Uh, honestly, man, I'm gonna be with everybody else. It's definitely a best one, a very high best one at that. Um, I still have my issues with it, and they do kind of, you know, stick out like a sore thumb just a little bit. But honestly, man, the good really outweighs the bad here. This is really a testament to today's IP property based filmmaking. A commentary on that and not only is it just that but it's a it's a really solid continuation of neo and trinity's arc you know and speaking of yaya abdul mateen as uh morpheus he was good he was good i don't think he was as good as Lawrence fishburne of course but i thought he was good he worked for what the movie was about and he worked for what the movie was trying to set up mm-hmm. you know um but yeah this i had a great time with this movie i loved it i think i thought it was great and i can't believe i'm actually saying that because i was so skeptical going in you know but this actually turned out to be pretty great i'm glad someone liked it (laughs) max is the only one i think here that knows this but i was more excited i would have said screw spider-man no way home give me matrix resurrections oh yeah like compared between the two matrix all day spider-man okay yeah whatever Come on, uh, I, I need to be back in the world of the Matrix. I feel you, and I love No Way Home for what it is, you know, especially being a fan sure. of those movies, but this right here is the real shit. Oh, that, there's a reason why this was higher on my best of the year list. Gee, it wasn't higher. It wasn't higher. It, for, I, I rewatched it while I was editing the video, and it just, I think this that was like number 15, and No Way Home was like in the mid-20s, I think. Okay. Yeah, after watching this, I want to exit the Matrix, dude. <laughs> that's fine, Max. You can go yeah, live cool. in your little crappy world and your bad food. I'll stay in the Matrix. Okay, buddy. All right. Well, my world has couches. Okay. <laughs> I don't need a couch. Hey, they got a couch in the Matrix, couch, though. Remember that? And it's gonna, it's gonna feel even better. I fucking yeah, hate you guys. I and can't it's not like hobo pee. All right. <laughs> That's terrible. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, you asshole. Wait, who? Oh. Which one? Me? Both of you. Hey, chill, bro. Hey, chill. Max, you have this coming, man. You knew Jesus. what you were getting into. We, we've been bitching about the Matrix for over two hours at this point. I think that wraps it up for how we feel about these four films. Um, before we go to break... Um, everyone's leaving except for Alex it looks like um, mm. we'll continue on with the news and the shows Dakari I appreciate you filling in for Danilo this week where can our no listeners problem. find you if they don't already follow you uh, you guys can find me on Facebook at Dakari Holder you know, first and last name you can also find me on YouTube first and last name you can find me on Instagram right now at DTHO2 underscore um, and you can find me on Twitter at uh, Dak the One, D A K the One. All right, all right. And you can also find me on Letterboxd too. Do you want to also give them your address while you're at it? Please do. Chill. 
<laughs> Ain't that crazy? Yeah, and your social. What's the last four? Get the fuck on. You thought about it for a second. I thought, look, Get the you fuck thought on. about it, buddy. Get on. Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez, David. Thank you for coming on. I'm glad we were able to get you back on finally for the for a while. It's been a minute, man. Sure. Um, where can our listeners find you and your podcast? Yeah, you can check out Piece and Get Together wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we just did episodes on the Matrix trilogy and on Resurrection, so check those out. And uh, you can follow us on social media at Piecing Pod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. Awesome, man. Uh, Brian, you know, I appreciate you coming on every other week at this point. You're, you're regular. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Always a good time to come on and chat with you guys about movies. So thanks for having me. Uh, if you want to connect with me off of here, I'm on Instagram. Uh, it's mostly Star Wars stuff on there, but it's Astro underscore Droid underscore. Um, and from there, you can catch links to my other podcast, which is uh, Drink the Movies, which is a cocktail and movie themed podcast. And my Star Wars podcast, which is Old Republic podcast. Uh, so check those out if you feel so inclined. And yeah, thanks for having me, Max. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. And uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And Alex and I will be right back with the news, guys. Oh, hi, Mark. All right, and we're back from our quick little break. It's just Alex and I here discussing the news, shows, and our stream of the week, of course. Um, let's go ahead and talk about news first. I think the biggest piece of news that we got this past week is we received a trailer for the new Netflix-exclusive Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, how would you like this? I love the vibe of it, dude. It seems like no no holds barred. Um, I mean, Fede Alvarez already did this with Evil Dead, which gives me hope. Yeah, he had the crappy Don't Breathe 2 sequel that he wrote, mm. but he had a history of reviving franchises and making good horror movies. So this does get me excited, um, especially at the moment where the guy is live-streaming Leatherface walking onto their party bus. And he says, "Don't say, don't touch me, dude. You'll get canceled." And then Leatherface just starts to chainsaw and just like that. That just kind of ruled me because I hate when these horror movies try to be too woke. That happened last year with um, like I think it's called like there's someone inside of my house or something like that. I don't know. I, I remember asleep. that. It was boring. It was bad. It tried to be too politically relevant, and yeah, didn't watch, but I remember hearing about it. Um, trash skip it unless I mean maybe if you're drunk it's good I don't know but you liked this trailer overall for the new Texas Chainsaw yes okay I'm really excited it looks really metal see and the last the last I, few Texas Chainsaw movies have just been bad I'm not a big Texas Chainsaw person like my my favorite because you know it's it's a franchise at this point and um you know a lot of people compare the the franchise like the horror faces we got Freddy Jason Michael. Leatherface, um, Billy from what? Saw, Chucky from Child's Play. You know, a lot of people forget about Leatherface when they're talking about iconic horror faces because after the first one, it just all went to crap. I mean, two and three were kind of cool, mm-hmm. but I like the 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 early two thousands ones were trash. Leatherface was bad. See, yeah, um, man, this was not my horror franchise. Like, I'm a Halloween person. I enjoy Friday the 13th and Saw quite a bit as well. Like, I've seen the, the original Texas Chainsaw. It's a great, great movie. I've seen, I believe, the sequel, if not mistaken. 
I've seen, I've seen the original two. I haven't seen three, and I've seen um, the 2003 one and the 2006 prequel. Is it the sequel? The first sequel isn't that about his family, or is it the third one? They both are. Okay, well, I've seen both, one of them. Both of them deal with family. Um, I know McConaughey is actually in the third one, I believe. Okay. Was, um, I probably saw the second one. It gets cheesy, and it's definitely, like, schlock. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it at least knows that it is, which is more than I could say of other horror movie sequels, like the Saw franchise. I'm in love with that franchise in a way that I don't fully understand. <laughs> <laughs> I love Saw like, as well. I, it's okay. I think for, I, I've, I have a seven-day period before Spiral came out. I watched all of them and just fell in love. The fourth one is easily my favorite one. Um, but even that had some bumps on the road, which is pretty common for horror movies. So mm. I'm I have I have hope, but I'm also not going to be surprised if it's bad. But you better believe I'll be watching the day it drops because it's the same day that Donda Two drops, hopefully. So yeah, ooh, ooh, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> um, Wait, what do you mean? Are you not excited for Donda Two? No, I am. I just don't think it's going to drop that day. <laughs> I Kanye hasn't sounded this confident about a release date in a while, so we'll see. Yeah, but you weren't at that listening I'm, party, bro. It was pretty confident in person. <laughs> uh, you're right, I wasn't because I don't live as cool of a life as you do. But it's okay. <laughs> you forgive me <laughs> for now. Uh, yeah, we can. Oh, go ahead. Uh, just, I, I'm sorry, but this Donda 2 thing real quick, I mean, the, the news is sl- slow this week, and I believe the news about Donda 2 came out either this week or last week, mm. and we're both fans of Kanye, I know, so, he got Future <laughs> to executive produce the album. I'm this looking man here. Is, at, huh? Hmm. Go, he go, go, is, keep going, excuse me, you're good, you're good. Kanye, I feel like, is going even further than 808's Heartbreaks, I feel it's going to be something... Like my beautiful dark twist fantasy combined with Jesus, combined with Life of Pablo, combined with Jesus is King, mm. and that just especially with the whole future aspect of it. Mm. And you've got other rappers like Moneybag Yo, Travis being involved. It's just it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, it'll definitely be something when it comes out. <laughs> it's a matter of when. But I'm looking here at uh, the list. <coughs> Excuse me, Jesus Christ, dude. This fucking sucks. Um, I'm looking at the list of Texas Chainsaw films. I've seen the first, I've seen the second one, and I've seen the 2013 remake. Oh, okay. That movie, actually... That movie is weird. Because I kind of like it for its idiocracy. It is weird. But at the same time, we also get, like... There's some of Leatherface's best moments in that movie. Like, he has the best mask in that one. He just, he has this menace about, especially getting to see him out in the open world for the first time Mm -hmm. is kind of nice. I like seeing, the carnival scene was actually well done, but that movie just gets a lot of crap because of this terrible twist that it does. The cousin or brother thing? Yeah, Yeah. and she says, get him cut, and it's just, oh my (laughs) That is how I remember that movie, is that line. I I said out loud, are you freaking kidding me? This, that, if they had taken that out, the movie would have been far better. That whole subplot was just unnecessary. Um, 
as far as this new one goes, I'm excited for it. Trailer looks good. It gives me a lot of Halloween 2018 vibes. Um, I'm cool with that, though. I am, too. I just think it's a bit odd. Um, Why is that? Simply because, <laughs> Jesus Christ, my fucking chest. I apologize, guys. Max, this is the sign from God that you need to stop drinking. Yeah, it gives me Halloween 2018 vibes. Um, simply because this is, what, the fourth time? Fifth, fourth or fifth? Time to reboot this franchise? No. Let me, let me think real quick. I'm just going to... you got the original trilogy. You've got the Marcus Nispel reboot. I mean, technically, you could kind of count the prequel, but it's in the same universe. That's twice now. You've got the John Hassenfield, something like that. Well, there's, Last there's, there's four originally. There's Next Generation as well. Next Generation is part of the originals. Yeah, it's the fourth one. So there's four in the original series. Then you've got the Marcus Nussbaum reboot back in 03. And then the prequel by Jonathan Liebsman in 06. And, and then you got the Loose and Hop remake in 2013. So this is the fourth time. Yeah, then you also have the prequel, the Leatherface prequel from, what, 2019? Yeah, that's just, I don't, 2017. Oh. I don't even really count that movie as a reboot. That's more just kind of a spinoff, I guess. Trying to, like, show Leatherface's origin. It was back when Hollywood was trying to so why these serial killers were like the way they are, that whole trend mm-hmm. that thankfully has kind of died off. Now we're just okay with there being forces of evil, and you can't stop them, so you just kind of sit back and enjoy the ride. Yeah, but it just reminds me of that, dude, especially bringing back original cast 50 years later, you know, 2018. Nope. Those characters. The woman who played the per- the lady who comes back, who also you might recognize from Mandy, is not who played her in the original. The original one died a couple years ago, I think. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know a little too much about this franchise for my own good. My, my, <laughs> I, I remember my dad had the old DVD of 03 Texas Chainsaw. Cool packaging and everything. And I was like, I want to watch this. Five minutes in. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to watch this anymore. Turn on the Incredibles. But um, I enjoyed the trailer. Definitely going to watch this. We'll be talking about it on the podcast, I'm sure. If not on the main show, then LFG. Um, yeah. I hope so. Literally the only other piece of news I have is there was a trailer you want to talk about for The Offer. Yes. Um, so The Offer, if you don't already know, is a mini-series coming from Paramount Plus, trying to expand their content, and they're diving into the production of one of their most famous films, The Godfather. And it's focusing on producer Albert S. Rudy, played by Miles Teller. And the studio heads that he has to battle, the real-life gangsters that he has to get the okay from, because they they were heavily involved in the making of this because they did not want this to be another gangster movie that just makes fun of them, basically. Mm-hmm. That's how they felt about a lot of the gangster movies of that era. And you've got Dan Fogler looking like an exact copy of Francis Ford Coppola at the time. Um, he's got the voice down... He, he looks to be the standout of the show, and I'm hoping that they don't waste his talents because Fogler is a great actor when he wants to be. Mm-hmm. So it looks like a very interesting miniseries, and these always behind-the-scenes miniseries are always interesting to me. Uh, same with the Pam and Tommy one that just dropped about um, Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it looks it looks really good. It's going to premiere in April on Paramount+. Plus. The... Um, director of Rocket Man, Dexter Fletcher, is doing the first three episodes, possibly the rest of them. 
Um, it's not confirmed yet, so yeah, be on the lookout for that. Do you know how many episodes this is? Ten. It's the tight ten episodes. Okay. I'll have to check but it out, at least the pilot. There's a book on the making of it that I've read, and it they can honestly make a couple seasons of it if they wanted to. Okay. Each film had their own interesting production. Really? Especially the third one where it, the whole movie got basically recut. Mm-hmm. And then you got, 20 years later, you get 20, no, 30 years later, you got the cut that Coppola wanted to release. I've never seen Godfather 3. It's It's got its moments. I like it more than two. And that's even with Sofia Coppola's horrendous performance. Okay. Because for every Sofia Coppola moment, you have a fantastic, legendary moment from Andy Garcia. Okay. So it balances out. Okay. It, it balances out in its favor. Towards the end, I mean, it just it ends perfectly. Okay. So. Fair enough. I'll definitely have to check out that pilot at the very least. It sounds interesting. I remember I tried to read The Godfather after I was uh, after I watched it for the first time. I uh, I got my grandfather, my mother's side's copy. I was reading through it. I was in I was a freshman in high school actually. Good read. Good read. I I stopped reading in high school I think, and that's that's where a lot of my problems started. <laughs> <laughs> you and Danilo both. <laughs> hey, I put on subtitles still, okay? I can prove I can read good like English. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for news this week. Not a lot was dropped, like we said. Um, for shows, you know, Book Above Fed dropped today. Fantastic episode. Um, next week's the finale, and then the following week we're doing an LFG on that, I believe. We have a very special guest star for that LFG. We're planning it out. Um, so I'm not going to say anything else about Book of Boba Fett. You're going to listen to LFG for full thoughts. But good shit this week. Um, yeah. Euphoria. Kinda, oh, go ahead. I kind of lost it. I kind of... Because I don't think I'm going to be on that episode on... Yeah, this episode, I kind of lost it. It introduced one of my favorite characters in the Star Wars universe. So good. So good. Um, Euphoria. All caught up on that. I'm also doing an LFG, so I don't want to get into spoilers on Euphoria. Um, so be on the lookout for that. What uh, the heck, man? Peacemaker, go ahead. That whole episode is a trip. <laughs> um, Peacemaker, you know, JR and I talked about this last week, actually, in the podcast. Um, we might do an LFG, so I don't want to say too yeah. much. I think you, me, and JR were all in agreement on that. We, we might. Who, who knows? We have a lot of LFGs planned for these series things without... LFG makes the show segment difficult these days. But um, how about your father? Are you still enjoying this? We got a new episode this week. Um, this is the first episode where I was kind of like, oh, it um, it definitely leans into a bit of cringe. Uh, there were moments where I was visibly like, visibly cringing for those of you who are not, who are listening to this. Um, yeah, it, it fumbled a little bit, but it still managed to stick its landing, which mm-hmm. was surprising. But it wrapped, it continued all the storylines, balanced it out very evenly. Um, Hillary Duff continues to be the best part of the show. Okay, that's good to hear. She, she, she's holding it down really well. She's managing to anchor this entire ensemble that they formed really well. Um, the absence of, um, oh man, the, the bartender, the guy, the guy who owns the bar, who left to go see his girlfriend, I. That might be a bad sign. The show's not as good as we think it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the guy over the yeah, 
and the guy who went to go see his girlfriend at the end of last episode. Mm. I did miss him. I, I did notice that he was missing from this episode. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it, it was it was an all right episode, not nearly as good as the previous one, but still a whole lot of fun. Okay. Uh, I, I'm very, I, I like the direction that they're heading with this show. I haven't watched this week's episode yet, so I'm kind of quiet about it. Um, I plan to have just been busy catching up on Euphoria. Um, I am liking the series quite a bit so far, though. You know, we talked about this last week um, with JR a little bit. Um, can't wait to see where it goes. But I did see that, you know, Neil Patrick Harris has his little uh, newsletter he does now. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. And he brought uh, Hillary Duff on. Yep, so I'm thinking maybe, well, I'm pretty sure we'll see Barney in the we show. we got to see the Barnacle. We have to. It'd be great if, so you know the episode where Barney almost gets fired, the Perfect Week episode? Yeah. You know how he has Jim Nance, sportscaster Jim Nance there? Mm-hmm. What if they do something like that but for Hillary Duff, and instead of Jim Nance showing up, it's Barney? I'm pretty awesome. I think that'd be a great way to bring him back into the episode and not just have him be like, you know, a bumping on the side of the road or something like that. Because they've got to figure out, they've got to connect it more than just a setting. They've got to be able to connect it to the the original show somehow. Because they're already slowly acknowledging, so you might as well just full-on acknowledge it. Have one of the characters, like, I could see Hillary Duff being related somehow to Barney. In a way of like, you know, remember his uh, gay brother that he had? Yeah, I forgot about that actually, yeah. Um, what if adopted daughter, you know, something like that? Well, I was thinking because, remember after, and spoiler alert for if you haven't watched Hi, Your Mother, whenever he and Robin get divorced and the, that final episode, there's a couple of years before we find out he has a kid, he has a daughter. And he's, he's, you know, he's back in the game until then. That's when he stops when he realizes he has a daughter. What if he hooks up with Hillary Duff? Because it's that time period, roughly. No, this is two, this is twenty twenty two. What what year does the show end again? Oh, when? Oh, what what year is How Much Your Mother? Because that timeline wise, I timeline wise, that'd be important. Gosh, because him and I'm seeing twenty fourteen because. Um, yeah. what, how long, well, let's look at, how long was Barney and Robin married yeah. for? Here at Galaxy of Film, we call, we go for the, uh, we, we go for the fact check and we spring for that around here. Yeah, clearly, yeah. <laughs> how long were they married? They married for three years. So 2030, how much your mother takes place in 2030. No, it's 2022. They, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, yeah, time your father. How much your father me. is in 2022. We haven't even gotten to the year that how much your father takes place yet. So, at this point, as far as I, as if I, my memory serves me correctly, they're still married by 2022. Which means that they, they'd have to, I don't know how they're going to connect it. Mm. But they're, they're, I can see them connecting this somehow to the original show. And I'm, I don't want to say nervous, but I'm curious as to how they're going to do it. And I think it'll come towards the end of the season, first season. Well, I'm saying is, so 2014 is when him and Rama get married, right? 2014. Yeah, that's right. That's when the show ends, that final season. So what? 2017 is when they divorce. 2018 
2022 is when How I Met Your Father takes place. When we remember, it's it's a couple years until Ted rebound not rebounds, but when he gets back with Robin, when the show ends, right? It's a couple years, 2030. 2023, 2030, yeah. Yeah. So there's when, about seven years unaccounted for. When does Barney find out about his daughter? Yeah. That's the real question. Because we, uh, we know Barney is single during How I Met Your Father. Tech, well, we assume, at least. We know he's divorced. It's a matter of when he has that kid. Because he stops sleeping around when he finds out about the kid. That's that's the key right there. But regardless of whether he's single or not in High Mate Father, I think we'll see him. I think he's the main character we'll see from the original gang. I don't see Jason Segal coming back um, or Josh Radner. I think maybe we'll see Robin in a TV in the background. That that might happen. I think of all the people who could come back, it's between Hannigan, Radner, and Paris. Hmm. Because I don't think sequel has gone on. He's doing his own thing now. So. What is he doing these days? I don't know, honestly. We should give him a call. Have him come on the show. Sure, you you get Jason Siegel's number and get him to come on the show. Alright. Yeah, we'll we'll have him on whenever we revisit the Matrix 4. He'll be on for the LFG on Euphoria. (laughs) Jesus, but um, overall, still loving how I met your father. Got to got to catch up on this week, but good shit, good shit. Oh yeah. Um, for streamer of the week this week, the last bit before we end off for this. Um, everyone's I'm pretty sure has watched this fucking movie. My best friend, her daughter, my niece, um, is obsessed with this fucking movie. Watches it about four times a day. I caved in when I was over there, and she was. Your daughter's not, you know, my little niece isn't even two years old yet. She came and talked. She's dancing, mumbling as much as she can. This this movie. So I get home and I watch it by myself and I'm like, damn, this is actually pretty pretty solid. Uh, Disney's Encanto. Pretty fucking good. Oh, no. Yeah, dude, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. No, you added, no. No. You don't like it? No. (laughs) Really? I was bored out of my mind. Dude, I would be listening to the soundtrack at work today, actually. We don't talk about Bruno. I don't... I The soundtrack is annoying to me. It's... I did not like that movie. It bored me. It was just... Yeah. Especially in a year where we are... It's already been a weak year for animation. Hmm. Because, you know, you get stuff like Raya and the Last Dragon, which was just a garbage fire. I like that, too. Luca, which was boring. We liked Luca. <laughs> Maybe I'm just getting too old for these animation movies. But then something like Mitchell's versus the Machines comes out. Didn't watch it. A smart, huh? Didn't watch it. It's on Netflix, man. We that, we were going to cover it, but we um, that was the same week where like I think Venom Two got thrown around, so it was Halloween Kills and Last Duel. If I'm not mistaken. No, Mitch- Mitchell's vs. Machines came out in February, dude. Did it? It's been out. Are you telling me I didn't hear about this until October? <laughs> Let me just fact check that, but I I remember hearing about this movie. <coughs> Hold on, you Mitchell's got me. Mitchell's vs. Machines. You got me wondering. It, okay, alright, fine. It came out April 30th. 
Okay, oh. yeah, I don't know what the fuck I'm thinking of. Then I really thought it was that week. There was no. no I'm thinking of that Karen Gillian Netflix movie, Gunpowder Milkshake. Wasn't that during that time period? I don't know. <laughs> when it comes to female-led action films, I've seen Kate this year. That movie ruled. Yeah. What movie? But yeah, in Tom, Kate. Um, it's it's a it's like a it's really good. It's cheesy '90s action movie. Um, yeah. Encanto, I did not like at all. It bored me. Wow, I saw, I saw it, and then I saw the last bit of it at a friend's house, and I was kind of like, no. Well, the kids were there. The kids were entertained. I, I don't. You don't want to talk about Bruno? No, I don't. <laughs> Bruno can go jump off a cliff. <laughs> well, look. It's a pretty damn good movie. It's stream of the week for me. Great soundtrack. Keeps your kids entertained. Keeps my niece entertained. She gets a fucking That's kick what, out of it. There you go. Yeah. I I say there's a... Can, can I throw something out there real quick? Go for, for it, man. We're here. Yeah, it's just us. Go for it. Throw it out all you want. Nightmare Alley. Okay, it's buddy. You can throw that back inside. <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's streaming on HBO Max and Hulu right now. It's... You can watch it in your own leisure... For Max, there's boobs, so, you know, there you go. There's your draw, Max. Um, it's out in 3D, so I, I don't know, maybe maybe not, but it's really good. It's Guillermo del Toro. You don't have to go out to the theater and watch it, even though you should, and it's it's worth the watch. The finale, and the finale is nuts. It's, it's good. Yeah, you'll be watching that by yourself. I, I hated that trailer, dude. I'm good. I'm good. No, I, I've got too much to watch right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex, I think it's going to wrap it up for this episode. This has been a, quite a long one this week. Quite a long one. Well, I mean, we're, just, we're discussing four movies. What did you expect? That is very true. When we got the whole Matrix franchise knocked out at once. I'm pretty proud about that, actually. Pretty proud. And we didn't even have to talk about the House of Gucci episode. Just the movie. <laughs> That's very true. Well, Alex, I do thank you for coming on again, man. Um, you're, you've, God, you're here every week <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I try to be, you know. Where can our listeners find you if they already don't follow you in your podcast? You can find me at AW Reams on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at Alexander W. Reams on Letterboxd. Um, Right now, all of the movies we're covering just wrapped up Sundance. We're covering Slamdance right now, and uh, pretty soon we've got Hot Docs and South by Southwest content coming. Uh, just released a video covering my top 25 films of the year. I would highly suggest going and watching that. I'd really appreciate it. I spent a lot of time on that movie, on that video, and I'm really proud of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Follow Galaxy of Film, you know? Instagram, <laughs> Twitter. Facebook. MySpace, even. I'm pretty sure Max has that. Oh, I wish. But yeah, check out our, our YouTube channel, Galaxy Phone Productions. I uploaded the first New York vlog of the day. The next one will be coming out on Monday. Good shit. Join us on our adventure for that. It'll be a six-episode series we're doing on the YouTube channel. Again, that's Galaxy Film Productions. If you have Instagram and Twitter, you can follow us at Galaxy of Film. If you have a Facebook, you can join our Galaxy of Film fan club, ran by our friend Shamim. It's the Galaxy of Film fan page. It's a group you can join. Uh, we have 
you know, I'll, I'll post sneak peeks of stuff we're releasing on YouTube, Instagram, all that on there. Um, we'll have little conversations here and there as well, little polls. Join it. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. If you enjoy the show, consider following us on Spotify and leaving us a review on iTunes. It truly does help out the show much more than you can imagine. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you next week when we discuss Ari Aster's Midsummer and Hereditary. So, bye, guys. Stay tuned for next week. Bye.